0: UK slash Three Counties. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for news.
1: Thank you, Catherine. Catherine has just sent me a little message before the news saying, do you get upset if I put down phonetic spellings for sports players' names? Having just heard those, no, Catherine, I don't get upset. I, th- I think I need those this morning. Thank you very much for that be able to hear me murder those names in about 15 minutes time. Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Thursday morning. It's miserable out, isn't it? Oh, it was horrible and wet and damp and cold. Don't worry. Plenty of stuff on the show this way. I, I tell you what, let's all just bunk off work today, shall we, and just listen to this nonsense. Lots happening including there are concerns over outsourcing outsourcing policing in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. How will it affect you? The Argos catalogue, it's on the way out, they're getting rid of it. Does anybody still use catalogues? And what will you miss about it? Get your stories later on. And I think the important topic for today is... We're discussing what is the best movie or TV car of all time. You decide. Although the answer, obviously, is the Knight Rider. Obviously. Obviously. Nothing can beat Kit. It's a talking bulletproof car. Lots of ways you can get in touch. Uh, You can uh, text us, 81333, starting your text 3CR. You can tweet us, at Ian Lee, or at BBC 3CR. But the best way, and this is the way we want to do these things, is can you give us a call? 08459 455 555.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio
1: particularly keen to talk to you this morning if you were at that whole uh, incinerator debate yesterday. I mean, we covered it yesterday. We had Justin Dealey out and about with the protesters and um, we spo- spoke to someone from Veolia, the company. Well, it's, it's been passed with a couple of minor concessions, but it's been passed. If, if you were there or if um, it affects you in any way, could you give us a call on that as well? Oh eight four five nine 555 Here come the newspapers. Thank you very much, W.E. Ollie. Excellent stuff. Work experience, Ollie, there, delivering the papers in fine form this morning. Now... Um, We're talking about outsourcing in the police as well this morning because plans to outsource back-office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire would put profit ahead of the public, according to Unison. The union held a meeting in Stevenage last night. Reps told the crowd that outsourcing so-called back-office jobs would impact the entire policing team. They're calling for the police authorities to look at more internal collaboration to save money instead. The authorities say the final decision will be down to the newly elected police and crime commissioners. BBC Three Counties' Victoria Cook was at the meeting last night.
3: Police and crime commissioner candidates and chief constables, it's not too late. Have the courage to lead your staff in delivering a wholly public collaborative solution. In this, you will have the continued support of Unison Branches in delivering savings and maintaining service delivery, whilst retaining the dedication and care that so many staff have for their role in delivering safety, justice and reassurance for all. Don't sign the people of Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire and Hertfordshire up to a contract for 10 years, costing millions in the long term to save in the short term. Together, we can deliver a better, more sustainable solution. Thank you.
4: We need to get the message out there to the government and to the public that our policing is not for sale. It needs to be run for the public and good of the public and not for um, shareholders.
5: Is it a money-making thing, a profit-making thing or is it a service thing? It's always been a service and in my view uh, once it becomes a private company we've lost the credibility it's always had. I don't think that, in general, public services should be run by private companies whose motives are
6: are slightly different from the public service ethos.
7: A private company is looking to make a profit. They need to make a profit for their shareholders. It's not the
8: same as the service currently being run as a public service. The way we do it, we do it because we're working for the police force, working with the officers, with the
9: staff. We come from a background where we know what is required and gradually they will lose all
5: that. We don't work for profit. We do what we can to serve the public. Now, can a private company say exactly the same? If they're not making profit, they're not in it.
1: Well, Jackie White is a former Hertfordshire police officer and is now a member of police staff and a member of Unison. She joins you on the line now. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning. What would happen to you if this plan goes ahead and a private company took over some of the police services?
9: Well, what we've been told is that we will be be two-pid over to the new company. And uh, from what I can make out, looking at the Lincolnshire contract, eventually there will be redundancies.
1: Why are you more ideal to do your job than someone from a private company, Jackie? Uh,
9: The way I see it is that I've been doing my job for an awful long time now. I have an awful lot of experience. The way we work, we work for the people of Hertfordshire. We work for the taxpayer. We make sure that we deliver the service that the police service are meant to deliver. If it went to G4S or to another private company, we would be working for that company and their interest would be profit.
1: But isn't it about saving money? Everyone is making cuts and the police have have had huge cuts to their funding and their budgets. Will it save money going to a private company?
9: My belief is maybe in the short term it will, but there are other options. We could look at further collaboration between the three forces, uh, between Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire. This seems to be an option that has not been explored.
1: How could these privatisation plans impact on the public?
9: I think eventually what will happen, um, what is seen as a cheaper option, will not be a cheaper option in the long run. And the service that we deliver now will gradually be eroded away.
1: Do you think there will be an impact on public safety?
9: Maybe not in the short term, but yes, in the long term.
1: So you think that in the long term, public safety could be um, affected adversely by uh, getting in a private uh, team to work on this?
9: Yes, I do. I do believe that. I believe that um, the support that we give to the police officers uh, through the roles that we perform, gradually all this will be eroded away and the the support that they need will adversely affect their jobs as well.
1: In what way will the public be, in what way will public safety be put at risk? What will they end up, uh, will there be more paperwork and less policing? How will this work? Yes,
9: Well, the roles that we perform at the moment they're not going to go away the things that we do uh, will still need to be done and if we're not there to do them because once we go to these private companies all they're going to be interested in is the profit that they make, so eventually they will try to do them cheaper. These jobs will not get done. It will be down to the police officers to perform
1: them. Jackie White, thank you very much. Jackie White, former Hertfordshire police officer, now a member of police staff and a member of Unison. What do you think? Does it worry you that a lot of this stuff might be outsourced to a private company? Or do you think that we need to make cuts and we need to save money? 08459 four double five five double five. Never known a girl like you
10: before. Now, just like in a song from days of yore, here you come, knocking, knocking on my.
1: bit of Edwin Collins, a girl like you. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. You can give us a call this morning. I want to know the best movie and TV car. And also, it's the end of the Argos catalogue. They're going. Two questions. Does anybody still use catalogues to shop? Do you still use catalogues to shop? Really? And what will you miss about the Argos catalogue? I used to... Times were hard when I was a kid and we used to play games with the Argos catalogue. I'll tell you about that a bit later on. Do give us a call. Let's go over now, though, to the Travel Centre and get the news from Sophie.
11: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Well, no major problems to update you with at the moment. Looks like it's all moving fairly nicely out there on the whole. Looking good on the motorways across the area and the usual delays not yet beginning to creep in. Looks like it's all moving fairly nicely on the sensors. London Midland services, though, do still have a revised service running. That's all due to a shortage of train staff at the moment. And it's mainly on services a little bit further up around Birmingham New Street and Liverpool Lime Street, but they will be heading down towards us as well. So if trains are late, this may be wise. So do check before you travel. There's more in. 15 minutes.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie. Good morning, it's 6.15. It's Thursday the 25th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. The union unison met last night to discuss plans to outsource back-office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire, which they say would put profits ahead of the public. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back 63 years. In sport, Manchester City lost 3-1 to Ajax and Arsenal lost 2-0 to Schalke. We'll have a full weather bulletin shortly. And coming up, yesterday we told you about a protest taking place against plans to build a controversial waste incinerator near Hatfield House. Well, the plans have been approved by Hertfordshire County Council. We'll hear reaction to this news before 6.30 this morning.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday afternoon from three, Roberto Peroni.
1: Burkhamton Castle has come under attack.
13: From badgers. The animals have been digging up huge amounts of turf there, and English Heritage has been forced to tape most of it off. Roberto Peroni. How long has this attack been going
14: on for? Well, I don't know if it is badgers. It really is most odd. I mean, it could even be little green men
1: from outer space.
13: Steady on there, there, (laughs) John.
2: Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from 3 on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Oh eight four five nine four, double, five, five, double, five. Justin Dealey is out and about and as, as always, is a man full of mystery. Justin, where are you and where are you going? What's happening? Yes, good morning, Ian. You're talking about movie cars this movie morning, aren't cars. you? Movie
15: cars. Movie uh, cars. James Bond's Aston Martin DB5 has been named the number one movie car. But in second place, it's the DeLorean from Back to the Future. What a cool car that was. I'm going to be meeting Chris from Milson Keynes, who has a DeLorean. Wow. He's had one for 11 years. What's it like having one? Do people wave at him when he's going down the street? But also, what happens when it goes wrong? Because they stopped making them years ago. (laughs) Yeah, they weren't very
1: good cars, were they? What
15: about the parts? So, I'm off to meet Chris, and you'll hear me live with Chris
1: before 7 o'clock. Justin, could I ask a favour? Yes. Could you stop playing your own beds, please? It's confusing. Why is it confusing? This is the theme tune from Back to the Future. I know exactly what it is. Turn it off. <sighs> okay. And don't do it again, all right? Thanks. Speak to you later on. Unbelievable. He's just trying to big up his part, for goodness sakes. What is the best car in any TV or movie? TV show or movie? I tell you, it's, it's Night Rider, isn't it? I can't believe Night Rider is not number one. 08459 oh, four double five five double five. M- Helen from Milton Keynes. Oh, you're such a girl. Should I even read this text out? The best TV movie car... It's Herbie, of course. Oh, for goodness sake, that doesn't even count. Herbie doesn't count. It's a comedy car. This is serious business, Helen. For goodness sake, focus. Thank you.
10: I can feel it coming in the air at night All I want. And I've been waiting for this moment for all my life. we yeah.
1: 459-455-555. Double five five double five. Let's get the weather news now with Steve Weston. Beds, hearts and bugs weather.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
16: Yeah, still fairly cloudy today. A little bit of patchy mist and some misty low clouds draped across the Chilterns and the Downs. Temperatures on the way down, only 13 at very best today. 13 Celsius, 55 Fahrenheit. A little bit of patchy rain or drizzle, but with some drier and some brighter spells developing as the wind picks up to a moderate northeasterly. Tonight, mainly dry. Any rain or drizzle clears up quite quickly, sort of late evening or the start of the night, and cloud breaking to leave some long, clear spells. Winds are a moderate, then light northeasterly, and the lowest temperature, a 3 Celsius, 37 Fahrenheit, perhaps a 2 through the, the Chilterns and the Downs, so touch of ground frost is likely tonight. Tomorrow, Friday, feeling chilly but mainly dry with sunny spells and patchy clouds. Saturday, uh, a cold start, probably quite a frosty start to Saturday, but a mainly dry day with long, sunny spells. Sunday, some bright spells with the cloud thickening up to bring in a little bit of showery rain later on. And Monday, rather cloudy, again a bit of showery rain for a time, but turning drier later on. And there's the autumnal forecast from me, Steve Weston. We're getting some uh, great messages on the Facebook page. There are a couple of Facebook
1: pages. Let me direct you to the BBC Three Counties one. Go to Facebook, go to the BBC Three Counties, and, and, and you can post up bits and pieces that we're talking about on the show there. Uh, a couple of, uh, on the best cars, uh, either, Ian, says Paul, it's either the Monkeymobile, oh, it's a good car, the Mobile's a good car, the Batmobile, or the Monsters Dragula, oh, I do remember that, uh, Scott McGuinness, Starsky's uh, Ford Gran Torino from Starsky and Hutch—the most inappropriate car for a plainclothes detective ever. Yeah, it was a little bit, wasn't it? You weren't going to stay hidden with that. We're looking for the best cars in TVs or movie uh, TV shows or movies today. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Yesterday, we told you all about a protest taking place to build uh, against plans to build a controversial waste incinerator near Hatfield House. Well, the plans have got the thumbs up. They've been approved by Hertfordshire County Council. The Veolia Group will process nearly 400,000 tonnes of waste every year at the plant. Protesters say this is a white elephant unnecessary, too big, and ugly. Hertfordshire County Council say the incinerator is needed to deal with a growing and costly waste problem. Councillor Brian Hammond, Chair of the Development Control Committee, explained to our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, why it had been
17: passed. To be absolutely simple, it was passed because 11 of our members, uh, out of the 15, uh, were, com- were convinced on the arguments in, in favour of the, of the application. Uh, and I think that uh, particularly they-, they were mindful of the need for the county to manage its own waste. You know, We've been exporting waste to Bedford, to Cambridge, to North London, parts of Berkshire for so long that quite correctly we're under pressure to organise it ourselves within the county.
18: And on the location of the site, I mean, we heard from the owners of Hatfield House, a grade one listed property, the county's most popular tourist attraction as we were told. This will be very visible from that, uh, from that site.
17: I wouldn't agree it's very visible. Uh, I, th- I think the average tourist going to Hatfield House would not be looking at the sky as they're going around the house.
18: Well, the, the, the owners did give a, a, a whole list of places where they, they were convinced not just the, the stacks, but the plume would be visible from as well.
17: But I, I'm not sure it would be sufficiently visible or unattractive to put off the tourists. They'll, they'll be going around Hatfield House. And at some stage, if they choose to look in a certain direction, they will see
1: it. That's Councillor Brian Hammond talking to our reporter, Paul Scoins. Well, the well-in-Hatfield MP and chairman of the Conservative Party, Grant Shapps, says he'll try and get the decision referred to the government's inspectors and there is talk of a judicial review from protesters. Now, if you were listening to the show yesterday, you would uh, hopefully have heard Roy Nischel talking to our reporter, Justin Dealey. He was angry. He was very angry. Well, Roy's on the line Morning now. Out.
19: Morning, Roy! Good morning. How are you feeling this morning? Angry. Very <laughs> angry. I mean, this thing is not small. It's, it's huge. The inside can take a 12-storey a, a block of flats, and a few of them. Uh, I mean, with the, the stack, they talk about the stack and the plume. To put it in, in it's a 1,000 feet when to the top of the plume. Um, I mean, you can deploy a parachute at that heights it is a monstrous building and they're going to put it in this fantastic place where i live and on the doorsteps of people i mean next door is a a school for for handicapped children and to try and hide it they're going to put a prison wall around it can you imagine like poor children have got uh, disabilities, they're now going to have to go to a prison wall to get in, to, in an attempt to try and hide it. They've only got to look up. They, you know, it, it's just huge. Um, it's going to be a, just a blot on the landscape. Roy,
1: what happened at the meeting yesterday? How did that go? Um, well, uh, it was great. There were fantastic speakers.
19: Um, eloquent speakers that put over their point told exactly what it was going to be like and then they brought on the comedians from uh, Viola and the, the whole place erupted. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to one of these meetings, but you've got to sit on your hands and keep your mouth shut or you're evicted. Someone almost got chucked out,
1: didn't they, for heckling? Oh,
19: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it got so laughably bad with with the, the stories of how tiny this thing was. I mean, it, and they, they've given us pictures that, that was obviously done... Photoshop doesn't come near it. Uh, I mean, it was it was done by genius. How Roy,
1: d- listen, you're not convinced. We had a lot of people yesterday saying that, that the rubbish has to go somewhere. What do you suggest is done with the rubbish then? OK, look, if, if, you, if you're
19: going to build an incinerator, which I don't agree with, because we are actually managing our own waste, this incinerator is going to be so big that we, we Hartford, all of Hartford, could never... keep it going. We're gonna have to import rubbish to keep it going. Mm. Right? So now the council's in the rubbish burning business.
1: Listen, right, we're running out of time. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. We've got Grant Shapps, the Conservative MP for Welling Hatfield, coming on after seven o'clock. Is there is there anything you want to say to him? No, the guy is, is talking. He, we're, he,
19: he knows how bad this is. He, he, he's, he's a sensible bloke. Uh, I, I forget my politics. They are all they're all talking the same thing. This is going to blight. That not just us. You're going to see it from
1: Luton, from Potter's OK, uh, Roy, we've got to leave it there, but obviously you're still very passionate uh, and very angry for uh, about all this. We will speak to Grant Shapps after seven. Let's get the travel news now. Let's got to Sophie Tyler.
11: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: We're getting reports coming in at the moment that anti-clockwise on the M25 there's been a multi-vehicle accident between 26 at Waltham Abbey and 25 at the A10 for Enfield. Now as I said reports are a little bit sketchy if you are in the area and do know anything that's going on please do be sure to get in touch. But don't forget as well that there is a replacement bus service running on London Midland services between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey following the earlier staff shortages. Everything else not looking too bad right now seems to be coping fairly well elsewhere on the speed sensors. Sophie Tyler, BBC, Three Counties
1: Thank you very much, Sophie. It's 6:30 exactly. Let's get the latest news and sport now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
2: This is BBC Three
0: Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Plans to outsource back office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire would put profit ahead of the public, according to the union Unison. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back 63 years. And Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land near Hatfield. (laughs)
11: hearts and bucks sports BBC Three Counties Radio
0: Manchester City's chances of reaching the knockout phase of the Champions League are hanging by a thread after another defeat this time 3-1 away to Ajax Roberto Mancini's men took the lead in Amsterdam through Samir Nasri but the home side came from behind to claim their first win of the group stages and send City bottom of Group D and the manager afterwards was happy to take the blame
17: When you play this game you should have a good spirit and I say that is my fault because probably I, I prepared very bad this game because we played a bad game and I'm the manager and the fault is mine.
0: Arsenal lost their 100% record in the Champions League this season after goals from Class Jan Huntelaar and Abraham Affely saw them lose 2-0 to Schalke. Manager Arsene Wenger sitting in the stands for the final game of his three-match ban, leaving assistant Steve Bould to admit Arsenal were beaten by the better side.
14: We lack a bit of confidence, I think, for whatever reasons, but um, it's a tough competition and they're a good side in all fairness. They beat Dortmund you know, at the weekend and played really well, so a 0-0 would have delighted us, I think.
0: Rio and Anton Ferdinand have released a statement saying they've been left disappointed by the FA and PFA's action in combating racism over the last year, but do praise the Kick It Out campaign, who've said in response that they welcome the statement, as does the PFA chief executive, Gordon Taylor.
14: I'm pleased at the
20: statement, particularly with the comments about Kick It Out, because they have done a lot of good work and they don't deserve to be criticised. The process went on far too long. The game has got to have the confidence to deal with these issues much more quickly, efficiently and transparently.
0: Looking ahead to the Europa League this evening, Liverpool host Russian side Anzi at Anfield, Newcastle host club Bruges and Tottenham are at NK Maribor. That's the latest news and sport. More from me in half an hour.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Beds, hearts and barks. This is
2: Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Plenty coming up. Before seven o'clock, including uh, people living in one part of Luton, say they're living in fear because of prostitution and crime. We shall reveal where shortly. And Justin Dealy is in Milton Keynes this morning to meet a man with a DeLorean.
10: How sweet it is. thank you baby yes i do how sweet it is to be loved by you feel so fine Thank you baby oh, yeah. How sweet it is to be loved by you It's just like sugar sometimes Thank you, baby. Oh, yes. How sweet it is to be loved by you. How sweet it is to be loved
1: by you. James Taylor, in the first hour of the show, I'll have some of that. I like a bit of James Taylor. Oh, yes. Gawley, this is in Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio Lots on the go this morning Argos are getting rid of their catalogues I know There was the news yesterday I think they've got something like 750 stores They're closing about 75 of them I'm guessing things aren't great. And they're getting rid of their catalogues. I as a kid, the Argos catalog was more exciting than Christmas Day because sort of mid-November, we'd get the Christmas catalog and me and my sister would look through, we'd go straight to the back, the last 30 pages were just pure toys. Just toys. And we'd look go, yeah, I want that. I want that. Um, I want that uh i want that and that was it and then when we'd done that we'd play games we yeah i know the 70s really were very tragic times we would play games with it uh including can you find the cheapest and most expensive thing uh, on the page we did it was like i know it's like video games now it's like xbox for us the argos catalogue so we'd, we'd open it up on a page a random page say it was furniture go right what do you think is the most expensive thing on there that no, you're wrong. Actually, it's that, and then we'd compile like shop. I, yeah, we'd compile sort of like shopping lists to go. Right, well, I'm I'm going to buy. I've got a million pounds to spend. I'm going to buy this. The, probably wasn't a million pounds in the late seventies. Would have been a hundred pounds. Would have seemed uh, excessive there So they're getting rid of the, th- th- two things. What kind of s- th- stories have you got about catalogs th- and gentlemen of a certain age? The Freeman's catalog. That's all I'm going to say. No we were talking yesterday about how children have access to, to they do, they have access to muck on their telephones and everything, we didn't in the 70s and the 80s your mum's Freeman's catalogue, that's all I'm going to say and if you're a woman scratching your head, ask your husband, if he's sort of 35 between 35 and 55 he'll know uh, but what stories have you got about catalogues and does anybody still use them? Surely they're dying out because you, get, you, you still have these catalogue companies, don't you, where they send you a catalogue and you, go, you order your clothes. I've never understood, and my wife do this, does this, I think it's only women, how you can order clothes from a catalogue or online without ever having tried them on. What, why would, you, why would you, do, you need to try shoes and clothes on? Yes, I'm a size 10 in my feet, but sometimes the size 10 is a little bit snug. It depends where I get them from. So your catalogue stories, please, and will you, will you miss... What will you miss uh, about the uh, catalogues once they're gone? Um, you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give us a call 08459 55 We've got some uh, emails and texts about best TV and movie cars. The best car is the only Fools and Horses one. It popped and banged all over the place, but ran and ran. Don't get me started on Fools and Horses. Regular listeners will know I find it th- 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 tediously unfunny. Oh, you Blonka, Rodney. Oh, Dale, you Blonka. Oh, Dale. That's it. All right, Dave. That's it. That's that's pretty much twenty years of fools and horses summed up there. Uh, On the text, John says, uh, "How about the Mustang in Bullet?" Oh, yeah, that was good. Well, the car in, in the film Wraith, I don't know that one. Uh, and David Luton says, I think the best TV uh, film car is Genevieve. David, I don't think Genevieve had any powers. did it at all. I, I'm still saying Knight Rider is the best car. Oh eight four five nine 555 is the telephone number. Now, imagine what it must be like to live daily in fear because of prostitution and crime in your area. That's exactly what's happening to uh, the residents in one part of Luton. They say the council are not doing enough to improve the area and make it safer. A local charity called Azalea, who offers support to women involved in the sex trade, has also been criticised because people living and working locally feel the work they do encourages prostitutes to stay in the area. Our reporter, Richard Williams, met with local residents in the Hightown
21: area of Luton to see firsthand the extent of the problem. If we look in here, it's,
22: it's
21: pretty grim. We can see wine bottles on the floor, which obviously are being discarded. Dirty tissues. Yes. There's an empty condom packet as well. There's
22: two, yeah. Pretty grim extremely grim and this is what we have to live with and this is what um azalea and the councillors should come and be this is where they should be put in their sympathy with us and they should see what this is what their clients do to us You see every kind of um, human dereliction that you could never believe was possible and having sex up people's front doors. Um, It goes on round the clock, so people taking their children to school can see
23: it. And it's not just residents who are affected. Shahzad runs a convenience store in Hightown. Once it starts getting dark, you know, you're always having to look out who's coming into the shop. You always have to look out the window, you know, and there's also customers who come in complaining about people coming into their cars when they're stopping. You know, you, you, you face verbal abuse from them sometimes, and even at times, there's been physical as well. They bring in all sort of crimes into the area. And have you spoken to the council? I spoke to her, and she mentioned that, that she's having talks with the police, it was just after that when I spoke to a few other people, I found out that these these councillors, so-called councillors and MPs, actually support run some sort of organisation which gives these street workers a place where they can come and eat and clean. You know, I feel encourages them, and I, I was disgusted with that. I really am appalled that you know, on the one hand, they are saying that they are trying to help. The area, but on the other hand, they're part of it. Who are your local councillors now, and have you had any contact with them?
22: Well, they're Roxana Whitaker, and yes, I've had a lot of of contact they just see me as a, a i think an eccentric thorn in their side and in my view they do not care really well i wouldn't say don't care but they're not really interested in what goes on with us who have to live with the vice that they are so keen to help People are so scared because, you know, as you heard one person say, the prostitution goes on all night, you hear nothing but their high heels, they're
24: screaming, they're arguing. I haven't been able to go out in the evening because I've been accosted by curb crawlers. And curb crawlers continuously go around these streets. Um, the reason I don't see any prostitutes now is because I just don't go out at all in the evening. And um, my daughter can never go out at all in the evening either. And we do feel like prisoners and we don't feel like the police or the council care about us having to be prisoners. Um, but when I first moved here, I used to dress however I wanted, but since I've lived here a while, I dress a lot more conservatively. And um, the few times I have gone down to town and gone out at night, um, one time I was followed, and I, I know that what's going to happen, because I can tell by the way these men follow me, what they're going to say, and they, they start tr- acting weird and coming really close to me and stuff, and, um, and then I know they've kind of ask me for business, that's what they say to me. But um, I feel
1: like pray. That's our reporter, Richard Williams, there, talking to some of the residents of Hightown. Get ready for the statements. We tried to get the people on the show. They sent us statements. The residents of Hightown do feel the council need to be doing more. We asked the council to come on uh, and take part in the report. They declined. Here is statement number one from the council. Although we are unable to provide a detailed response at this time due to the restrictions of PERDA, we would like to reassure the community we are aware of the issues in Hightown and are working closely with our partners to resolve these multi-agency teams have been out visiting the area speaking to residents about their concerns and providing support. A multi-agency action plan is in place which includes additional dedicated police resources for Hightown and the continuation of targeted operations in the area. Furthermore, we are keen to ensure an evidence-based approach to problem solving and will continue to gather evidence relating to the problems affecting residents. As such, we would encourage residents to contact the police or their ward councillors to report incidents or issues affecting them. Well, it sounds like that's what the people are doing. And they feel, the people that Richard spoke to in that report, feel that not enough is being done. Uh, You also heard there in the report a charity mentioned called Azalea. Roxana Whittaker, who is a councillor for Hightown, also works for the charity. And some residents feel that there might be a conflict of interest. We asked Roxana to uh, be involved in the report. She declined. She sent us this statement i wish to address what appears to be a misconception of what azalea is working to achieve azalea does not in any way support prostitution quite the opposite azalea is completely opposed to prostitution and over the last year has supported seven local sex workers in exiting the industry i feel strongly that my work with the group complements my role as a local counselor in helping to improve the quality of life for everyone in high town if you're affected by this can you give us a call let's know your story maybe you live in high town Or near it, or maybe you live in another area in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, which is plagued by the same problems. Prostitutes, drug users, crime, and you don't feel that you're being listened to by the local council, by the local police. Pretty grotty, isn't it? That woman at the end of the report won't let her daughter out. She doesn't go out at night herself, and she dresses differently because people will come up to her propositioning her for sex can't be great, can it? 08459 455555 645 Travel News Now with Sophie Tyler
11: Hearts
12: and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise on the M25, we're still getting reports of queuing traffic following a multi-vehicle accident. Now it's to junction 25 at the A10 for Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar. Congestion is already back to 26 at Waltham Abbey. Everything else actually not looking too bad right now. Seems to be coping fairly nicely on the speed sensors. The rest of the motorway is looking good, and the usual trouble areas not yet causing it too much of a problem. Trains are still looking good as well. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Thank Sophie. Morning It's 6.45, it's Thursday the 25th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Plans to outsource back-office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire would put profit ahead of the public, according to Unison. Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hatfield. In sport, Manchester City lost 3-1 to Ajax and Arsenal lost 2-0 to Schalke in the Champions League last night. Your weather today for Bed's Hearts and Bucks, staying mostly cloudy with some patchy or drizzle and a top temperature of 13 degrees coming up the nation's favorite movie cars of all time have been revealed today our reporter Justin Dealy is out in Milton Keynes and we'll be meeting a man who owns a Delorean BBC
2: three counties radio Every Monday to Saturday from twelve, Nick Coffer. The fact
15: that the Red Arrows are a British
25: institution, mm.
2: where does that come from?
25: Uh, it's been built up over you know almost fifty years now.
2: Nick Coffer.
21: The image of the Red Arrows, for me, it's it is the Jubilee, it is the football matches, uh, it is the Olympics this summer, and it, these are good memories. Hearing the reaction of the people as they
1: see the Reds come up the Mall, that just makes the job worthwhile hugely.
2: Nick Coffer. Monday to Saturday from twelve on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459
1: oh, nine, four double, five, five, double five. We've had a couple of tweets uh, about the catalogs The Argos catalogue is on the way out And Fran uh, on Twitter she, she must be of a similar age uh, to me Because she says How are my kids going to make their Christmas list with no catalogue That's how it's done isn't it You sit down with the catalogue And I will read this out uh, this is from DF118. I will read this out and then we'll move on. The bra and pants section of the catalogue was the only porn we could get in the 70s. And you didn't have to hide it under a brick. Well, there we go. That's, that's, that cleared up. If you don't know what that's a reference to, then you should listen, listen back to yesterday's show. Jonathan Vernon Smith was very revealing <laughs> about his growing up.
10: Angels watching over me with smiles.
1: reference to hiding something under a brick if you go to the Facebook page, two things on the Facebook page, there's a clip yesterday where Jonathan Vernon Smith was talking about hiding things under a brick, I won't go into detail, it's far too early but it's, it's very very funny and also if you go to the Facebook page, I've just noticed the team have uh, posted, uh, this, this will get people there, this is what the internet was made for, it's a picture of me holding my flask no, I know. It's exactly. The, the, Tim Berners-Lee is at home now. Tim, you can, you can rest now. It's, the, it's finally happened. The thing that you built the internet for has happened. Someone has posted on the Three Counties Facebook page a picture of me holding my flask. I, think it's, I don't think there's anything extraordinary bad. It. It's huge. It's what keeps me going in the morning. It's what's in there that's the key. Now, the nation's favourite movie car of all time has been revealed today. The winner is, we've been talking about this a lot this week, James Bond, Bond's Aston Martin DB5. Hmm, and there's a new Bond film out this week. Hmm, I wonder, I wonder. Hmm. The car first appeared in Goldfinger in 1965 and later sold for £2.6 million at auction. It beat Marty McFly's DeLorean from Back to the Future and Steve McQueen's Mustang from Bullet to the top spot. My, my top car, it's got to be the Knight Rider. It's got to be. What's yours? 08459 455 555. Well our reporter Justin Dealey is in the presence of a pretty impressive car himself now. Justin, whereabouts are you and what have you got there? Ian, I'll tell you what,
15: this is absolutely incredible. I am in Milton Keynes this morning and I'm with Chris Hawes who has got a DeLorean. Fantastic. It is absolutely unbelievable. Chris, welcome to the programme. You've had this incredible car for 11 years and you have got a world exclusive for us. Tell us about this world exclusive.
26: Yes, it's got the world's first factory fit flux capacitor which has only just been installed no one else knows about it yet and this is an exclusive to bbc three counties radio so this is the first time you've told anybody on this planet about this absolutely that's the case apart from my wife (laughs) obviously so how much did it cost well the car or the flux well both well the, the car i bought 11 years ago and luckily delorean prices have gone up quite a bit and that's partly because of people um my age growing up, getting successful in the careers and being in a position where they can buy the cars. There's only a certain number of cars out there, so that's driven the prices up. Maybe five to six thousand pounds in the time I've had it. I paid eleven and a half for it eleven years ago, and a car in the condition it was then now would be going for about sixteen to seventeen thousand. Wow. So a good left hander is about twenty five yeah. grand's worth. And what about the flux? Um, well, it's mostly hand-built. I bought the board and the flux parts from a, a vendor in the States who actually makes full-scale Back to the Future replicas. He's an actual um, NASA uh, engineer who's retired, so he does that now for a living, and I just contacted him saying, can I buy just the board from him, because I wanted to make my own custom enclosure for it.
1: Justin, sorry to, yeah, inter- yeah. to interrupt for a second, if I may, I, I, I should tell the listeners uh, here that my, uh, my producer, Laura, is uh, is the biggest, oh huge, biggest Back to the Future fangirl there is, and g- genuinely, you know, she's literally dancing around the studio, and she's writing like, a Dozen really geeky questions on my screen. <laughs> I, I will ask one, Laura. She wants yes. she, for non-fans of Back to the Future, uh, Justin. Could you ask your guest there? What does the flux capacitor do?
15: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For anybody who's not seen Back to the Future, I'm sure most people have. But but what does the flux capacitor do?
26: Okay, the flux
15: capacitor. Get it right, Justin. Yes. Okay.
26: Between the rear seats, and it's a kind of a Y-looking shape. If you type it in on any kind of search engine, you'll know straight off what it is. But that's the bit that there's all the flashing lights you can see over Martin McFly shoulders, he's t- travelling through time so that's the, the, the flux capacity, the time circuit mm. is the bit where you type in the date and time of where you want to go and Mr Fusion was the bit you used to stick on the back which you put the banana oh. skins in to power it through time.
15: Fantastic, right Ian, I'm not going to stand back because yep. um, the scene is set we are going to take some photographs and put those wow. on the three counters radio, Facebook site, also the Twitter site as well, we're about to start up this bad Aye. boy, right, take it away, listen to this
1: That sounds like a car <laughs> Yeah, oh, definitely a car. His neighbours must be loving that, Justin. <laughs> I was going to say, this morning, what we
15: did, I knocked in his the door and I said, right, we need to go and test the car. He said, not here. He said, because my neighbours, you know, it, with this type of noise, getting out of the garage, okay, we can turn it off now. Wow. That was incredibly loud. Um, how many of these are actually on the roads in Great Britain, do you know?
26: Somebody checked. The DLA apparently have 100 registered in the club, so give or take, that must be what it, the true figure is. But there are surely cars out there that are still in barns that have never been taken out since they were bought from the auctions back in 84, Um, we know of a couple like that and they're they're not driven, they're treated as big toys essentially Mm. Um, which is a shame because I think they're they were designed to be driven and they can be used as a daily car just that's what i do with mine
15: it felt very special following you this morning now when you go out and you go shopping if you go out to buy a pint of milk if you go going out to get your mot every single year you must have people staring at you waving at you talking to you asking you about this car because you just never see them
26: well that's right a lot of people the most common thing you get is i don't see many of those about it. i mean everybody says that uh, if that's a quote that everyone says like oh, i'll be back in the terminator movies that's what people say when they see the car you don't see many of those about. Um, you get a couple of things out, Where, where's Einstein, and hey butthead, and hey Marty, and oh my god you even look like Marty, yeah. but uh, no it's, uh, it's a very positive experience when you're driving along the road you get thumbs out of windows cameras flashing at you, you think, is that a Gatto camera? No, it's just a flash gun going off again
15: okay. A couple of final questions for you, quite briefly on these um, You also hire this car out as well at weekends to people, uh, you must be busy. Yeah, yeah I, I often
26: take the bride or groom to the church um, do a couple of birthday surprises, things along those lines, so it's not a self drive, but normally, the experience alone allows you to just sit back and enjoy opposed to trying to work out how to squeeze a six-foot wide car that's left-hand drive through narrow gaps, so you can just relax
15: and enjoy the experience otherwise, and it does seem to be very popular. Yeah, it must be a bit of a nightmare for, for a bride getting in this, but hey, it clearly works. Now, Ian, earlier on, you said to me you weren't happy about me playing the Back to the Future theme tune. Well, just, it, just a lot of it work like on this. I was very, very upset. I
1: know you put some
15: production work yeah. into this, Justin, and congratulations, but it just Thank feels you. like
1: you're bigging yourself up a little no, bit. Come on, now.
15: all. I was just trying to, to, to make the feature comes to life a bit more. So, if you're not happy about me playing the theme tune, I'm going to get Chris here to hum the theme tune. Would that be okay? That will do. That will be
26: nice. That's a good good
10: compromise.
26: Don't forget the car. The Delorean Club. I can't believe you're making me do this on air.
10: (laughs) How was that? Awful. Thank uh,
1: Justin, could you ask Chris, this is a question that he must, he, he must have thought about this, because he sounds like the car, and when I call him a geeky gentleman, uh, listen, I've got my hand <laughs> up, I'm one as well, if I had one of these cars, yes. w- what, if he could go back like in time in that car, where would he go, when would he go oh, to? Oh,
15: that's a great question. If you could actually go back in time, I know where, where I would go. He's played that game, yes.
1: he's played that game, he's we have He's played he it has.
15: before, he's been down the pub answering this question, when he's <laughs> gone down a pub in his car, where would you go back to?
26: Probably 1985. That, that first time I saw it at the movies, that was a heck of a special experience. I went to see it with my dad and uh, that was wow. a special day. So off the top of my head right now, that's probably what I do right yeah. now is my okay. first go.
15: Just 1988, Littlewoods Cup final. There I was on the halfway <laughs> line in the front row, Look touching at this the ground. For goodness' you,
1: both of you, listen, you've got a time machine, right? Yes. You can go anywhere in time. One of you's gone back to the 80s to see a film that you can get on DVD. <laughs> One of you's going back to watch a football match that you yes. can probably get on DVD. You could go back to the, to, to the Second World War, or okay. you could go well, back where to would Queen go, Where would you go then? Where would you go? I, I would go uh, back. Uh, yeah, uh, um, I yeah. would go back to 1967, to see the Monkeys playing live at Wembley yeah. a, a, Arena. Well, hang but on a, a minute. Aren't <laughs> you seeing the Monkeys in two weeks? Uh, uh, well, li- uh, yeah, exactly. D- D- Justin Daly, we seem to have lost the line there to Daly. I don't know what happened there. I think the flux capacitor may have uh, affected his broadcast. There. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very geeky. Monkey uh, um, experience. I'm seeing Mike Nesmith of the Monkeys three times in the next week. I'm going to Glasgow tomorrow after the show. Then I'll fly to New York in November to see the Monkeys. I know, terrible. If you had a time machine, then where would you go? You wouldn't go back just to the 80s to watch a film that is now in better quality on DVD. 81333, start your text 3CR. You can let us know the answer to that question. Right. (laughs) Travel news now. Sophie Tyler.
11: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: London bound on the M1 it's looking fairly slow at the moment where you'd expect around Junction 9 at Redbourne and anti-clockwise on the M25 it's still queuing following the earlier accident which has now been moved to the hard shoulder it's just been Junction 25 at the A10 for Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar although congestion is back to 27 at the M11 and southbound as well usual delays beginning to creep in on the A1 at the Barnet Bypass particularly between Sterling Corner and the Watford Bypass everything else though not looking too bad on the road seemed to be moving nicely but don't forget revised service is still running running on London Midland services heading in towards the area. That's due to a shortage of train staff at the moment, so do check before you travel. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank
1: you, Sophie. On Facebook, Julia Henderson says, No, I love that catalogue! What will I do as a nursery teacher now for cutting and sticking pictures? Who'd have thought? There we go, different uses for catalogues. We'll find out more after the news and sport with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: It's seven o'clock, the headlines. Union warns against police privatisation, green light for Hatfield Incinerator and new council homes for decorum. BBC
2: Three Counties Radio.
0: Outsourcing back office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire would put profit ahead of the public. That's according to the union Unison, who met last night to discuss the police authority's money-saving scheme. One of the people at the meeting was Jackie Wyatt, whose job could be affected. She told Ian Lee earlier the proposed changes would be a false economy.
9: I think eventually what will happen... Um, what is seen as a cheaper option will not be a cheaper option in the long run and the service that we deliver now will gradually be eroded away
0: more on this story in the next half hour Two British servicemen have been killed while on patrol in Helmand province in Afghanistan One of those who died was a Royal Marine from 40 Commando, the other was a soldier from three medical regiments Their families have been informed A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back 63 years. In what's believed to be one of the oldest criminal cases in UK legal history, 78-year-old Reginald Davis has been found guilty of 13 offences committed in Wales between 1949 and 19. 1973. The former serviceman was arrested last July in Australia and has since been living in Sawbridgeworth. He'll be sentenced tomorrow. Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hatfield. Councillors voted in favour of the new Barnfield plans after a day-long meeting at County Hall. The final decision could yet go to a planning inquiry with campaigners like Paul Zavisky vowing to fight on.
27: Our expectation was that this would go through and that it would get rubber stamped by um, the Conservative majority on this particular panel, Um, but that we are pushing really, really hard to get the Department for Communities and Local Government to take the decision away from them.
0: Councillors in Hemel Hempstead have agreed to spend £14 million on new council homes, the first for over 20 years. Over 70 new homes and a hostel for the homeless is being proposed in decorum within the next three years. The council secured £1.5 million of funding from the Homes and Communities Agency. The computer giant Microsoft launches its latest operating system today in an attempt to catch up with rivals like Apple and Google. Microsoft hopes the touchscreen capability of Windows 8 will appeal to users of computers, tablet devices and mobile phones. In sport, the England Rugby Union head coach Stuart Lancaster names his elite player squad this morning for the upcoming Autumn Internationals. Saracens and Bedford Blues prop Mako Vanipola is expected to replace the injured Alex Corbisiero, while Rob Webber's injury could give an opportunity to Leicester hooker Tom Young's. The Northampton pair of Tom Wood and Courtney Laws are fit again after missing the summer tour of South Africa. The weather staying mostly cloudy with some patchy rain or drizzle and a top temperature of 13 degrees Celsius that's 55 degrees Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news.
1: Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The serious and the not so serious, I think is uh, it's fair to say, is being covered this morning. All of it, we could do with your input on, please. I'll give out the contact details in a little bit. Things uh, coming up in the next hour include Fears over outsourcing police jobs to private companies How will it affect you? Plans for an incinerator in Hatfield We talked about this yesterday They've been approved Well in Hatfield MP Grant Shapps Joins me on the show in the next half an hour And it's the end of the road for the Argus catalogue It's on its way out They're getting rid of it slowly Can we come up with different uses for catalogues? What did you use yours for? And also, we're looking for the best car ever in TV and films. Apparently, it's James Bond's Aston Martin. Hmm, the week that a new James Bond film comes out, I wonder. Hmm, hmm, hmm. For me, it's Night Rider. Kit, so iconic. What's yours? You can email 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Or you can give us a call. That's the best way. Get your voice heard. Then if we disagree, we can have a little argument. I like the arguments. I'm well, not necessarily an argumentative person but i think it, it you know it's a good thing to wake up with a little bit of a bit of a sparring a verbal sparring 08459 455
2: 555 bbc three counties radio
1: as you've heard, plans to outsource back office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire would put profit ahead of the public, according to Unison. The union held a meeting in Stevenage last night. Reps told the crowd that outsourcing so-called back office jobs would impact the entire um, uh, policing team. They're calling for the police authorities to look at more internal co- collaboration to save money instead. The authorities say the final decision will be down to the newly elected police and crime commissioners. Our reporter Victoria Cook was at the meeting last night
3: police and crime commissioner candidates and chief constables it's not too late have the courage to lead your staff in delivering a wholly public collaborated solution in this you will have the continued support of Unison branches in delivering savings and maintaining service delivery whilst retaining the dedication and care that so many staff have for their role in delivering safety justice and reassurance for all don't sign the people of Bedfordshire, Cambridgeshire, and Hertfordshire up to a contract for 10 years, costing millions in the long term to save in the short term. Together, we can deliver a better, more sustainable solution. Thank you.
4: We need to get the message out there to the government and to the public that our policing is not for sale. It needs to be run for the public and good of the public and not for um, shareholders.
5: Is it a money making thing, a profit making thing or is it a service thing? It's always been a service and in my view uh, once it becomes a private company we've lost the credibility it's always had. I don't think that, in general, public services
6: should be run by private companies whose motives are, are slightly different from the public
28: service
5: ethos.
7: A private company is looking to make a profit. They need to make
8: a profit for their shareholders. It's not the same as the service currently being run as a public service. The way we do it, we do it because we're working for
9: the police force, working with the officers, with the staff. We come from a background where we know what is required and gradually they will
5: lose all that. We don't work for profit. We do what we can to serve the public. Now, can a private company say exactly the same? If they're not making profit, they're not in it.
1: Jim Mallon is from the Bedfordshire Police Federation. Morning, Jim. Morning, Ian. Uh, Privatisation of the police, or sections of it, <coughs> is that a good way to save the, the police money?
29: Well, not in my view. I mean, it's very simple for me because... Accountability, uh, as things stand, is to the public. But if we, if we privatise certain elements of the back office functions, you're then accountable to shareholders, and it's fundamentally different for me. Um, as things stand, uh, Berkshire Police particularly has got a great performance record in terms of detected crime and recorded crime. That's not just the police officers who achieve that, Ian. The bulk of, the, of, of work is done behind the scenes. For example, with uh, scenes of crime officers uh, or... Um, crime pattern analysis officers who do a lot of work to help detectives and frontline police officers to achieve their goals in terms of uh, detecting and and recording crime.
1: What are the main concerns with outsourcing jobs to a private company? Are are you worried, Jim, that public safety will be put at risk?
29: Well, potentially. I mean, it's it's, it's separate issues, Ian, but but, but there's always potential for that because, you know, if you privatise elements of the police service, um, you know, you're then looking to it's, it's about making money. It's not about uh, protecting the public. And, you know, you don't know as things move forward with, with these long contracts that get signed, you know, what what is the, the end game with this? Is, is it going to be people losing their jobs, for, you know, from the various people in the back office? <clears throat> you know, because at the end of the day, the police service, as things stand, It's been stripped, you know, right down to the bone. We, we, we've lost uh, in the last, since this coalition government actually took, took office, uh, 6,778 police officers, as well as, uh, uh, you know, thousands of, of uh, police staff. And my concern is, moving forward, you know, with, with streamlining particularly, will, you know, the likes of G4S, because they'd be muted in, in the three counties, uh, will, they, will they look to cut staff? Bear in mind the Olympic fiasco.
1: Yeah, of course, everyone seems to have forgotten slightly The G4S um, were a bit of a laughing stock Uh, in that, will the unions ultimately this is going to be down to the new police and crime commissioners when they come in will the unions be able to influence any decisions made by them at all? Well I'd like to think
29: so because um, you know I think with the crime commissioners coming in you know in November the 15th starting November the 22nd they ought to give uh, a voice to not only the police federation but also Unison you know our colleagues uh, police staff um, because you know if you've got open dialogue often you can get things done and, and it's supportive to, to the staff. It makes, it makes people feel better about what they do if you're sure sh- you, you actually value their work.
1: Jim, budgets have been cut, we know that. Where would you, where would you make the cuts then? Where would you save the money?
29: Well, I've mentioned this before to you, Ian. My, my view is we should be looking a lot more at the, the sort of estates that the police have, you know, small rural sessions that they don't use particularly much. You know, how much is that land worth, the buildings worth, this, this sort of thing,
1: before we look to cuts, Police staff and police officers. Jim Mallon, thank you very much from the Bedfordshire Police Federation.
2: On FM, AM, and online, BBC Three Counties Radio. If
1: you missed yesterday's show, it was a cracking show, and there was a lot of passion and anger mainly about this next story because we we told you about the protests taking place against plans to build a controversial waste incinerator near Hatfield House. The plans yesterday were approved uh, um, by uh, Hertfordshire County Council. The Veolia Group will process nearly 400,000 tonnes of waste every year at the plant. Protesters say it's unnecessary, it's too big and it's ugly. Well, Hertfordshire County Council say the incinerator is needed to deal with the growing and costly waste problem. The well hatfield MP and chairman of the Conserva- Conservative Party is Grant Shapps. He joins me on the line now. Good morning,
21: Grant. Morning. <sighs> what do you think of yesterday's decision? Um, pretty bad. Uh, I'm Not unexpected. We're, we're, look, we've been fighting this incinerator for years, um, and uh, I'm not surprised this is the decision... These councillors at county came to. That was the advice they were getting from their officers. The problem is, it's fundamentally the wrong decision. Why is it the um, wrong decision, Grant?
1: Because a lot of people are saying, "Hey, listen, we, we can't. We, we're recycling as much as we
21: can. We need to make more energy. This this ticks every box, doesn't it?" Well, the interesting thing is, for example, um, recycling rates in Welland Hatfield have already exceeded the rates at which they thought they would be in about 2020. So, since this incinerator has been planned, the recycling rates have already shot up locally and that's going to be replicated across Hertfordshire. It, this is based on fundamentally flawed mathematics. But worse than that, the location at which they want to place this incinerator is right next to a special needs school. It means all the traffic will go past there and past my local residents. It's the wrong location as well as their maths being faulty.
1: Uh, everyone, we spoke to a lot of protesters yesterday. Uh, they're very angry and I believe the meeting itself was, was quite heated. Um,
21: what have people been saying to you? Well exactly that. But you know, this as I say, this is well, I don't know, I ra re- I think I was the first person to raise concerns about this in March two thousand and eight. So it's really been going on a long way. My message long time and my message would be this isn't the end of uh the, the road. We're we're already planning to um, write to the secretary of state in fact i've already done that asking for him to call in this decision to look at it again it's Mm. on green belt and the location with the school massive controversy controversy and the rest of it and even after that uh, i am the chairman as you mentioned of the new barnfield trust we've been fundraising now for years we've got sixty thousand pounds together to fight this at judicial review um, because we think the process itself has been faulty
1: What's the alternative? There's an increasing an amount of of waste being
21: made. What, what do you what do you suggest we do with it? Well, sure. I mean, look. Unlike some people, I'm not actually against um, energy from waste as a technology um, and actually nor, uh, none of the, um, nor, nor were Labour, Conservatives, Lib Dems at a national level. My real concern is the location for this and I offered to work with the waste incineration company and the county at a very early stage to say look let's find a location where this actually works I would suggest it should be alongside a dual carriageway for example so the trucks, 380,000 tonnes of waste that they'll be bringing to the plant can come and go very easily Why uh, didn't they no. go with that then? Why, why did they- they picked this this site the the county owned this site and i'm afraid and this is one of the issues which no doubt will be uh, in court at some point i'm afraid they went for the site because it looked like the easy pick rather than because it was the most appropriate location what happens next what do you do next well, two stages first of all uh, we 're consulting our lawyers right now we 'll make a further representation to the Secretary of State for Communities and Local Government, um, because, as I say, this is a large uh, and very controversial site on Greenbelt next to a spe- special needs school and then secondly uh, we 'll look at um, using the court 's judicial review to question the process itself because, for example, what they did was decided they needed this incinerator before they 'd even decided what their strategy should be for dealing with waste. The so-called core waste strategy was created after the decision to go for an incinerator. That's the wrong way round, and we'll be challenging uh, the process itself in courts.
1: Grant Shapps, thank you very much. Grant Shapps there, the well-in-Hatfield MP and chairman of the Conservative Party. 08459 455555, if you want to talk about that or anything. Travel News Now, Sophie Tyler.
2: Beds, hearts and bugs travel.
1: BBC Three
11: Counties Radio.
12: Still looking fairly busy at the moment, London bound on the M1, fairly slow around Junction 9 at Redbourne there, and anti-clockwise on the M25, still looking a little bit tricky following the earlier accident, which has now been moved to the hard shoulder. Now it's just between Junction 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar, but congestion is back to 27 at the M11. Now heading south on the A1, the Great North Road, we're getting reports that it's currently blocked, with queuing traffic following an accident, a lorry and a car involved just before the Black Cat roundabout. Now everything else not actually looking too bad, seems you are moving fairly nice I see out that on the sensors, and the trains also look to be running OK as well on the local live departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie. Good morning. It's seven fifteen. It's Thursday, the twenty fifth of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Unison is hitting out at a police authority plans to outsource back office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. The union says it would put profit ahead of the public. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back sixty three years. In sport, Bradley Wiggins says it's more than likely he'll sacrifice defending his Tour de France title to support teammate Chris Froome in the twenty thirteen race. Full weather bulletin shortly with Steve Weston. And coming up, it's the 10th anniversary since the first British person travelled to Dignitas in Switzerland to die. Before 7.30, we'll hear from a local man who took his ex-wife back to Switzerland to end her life.
2: BBC Three Counties
4: Radio. It's been an amazing year for sport, with some of the biggest names collecting the world's greatest prizes.
15: This is sensational riding
4: here in the Olympic Games at London 2012. But every year, the BBC's Sports Personality
22: of the Year recognises people who aren't stars, but have simply gone that extra mile. They've made their contribution for no reward, except the enjoyment of seeing sport flourish in their community. There are unsung heroes. Nominate yours now via our website at bbc.co.uk slash sports unsung hero and help us round off a remarkable year of sport in 2012.
1: You're busy on the Twitter this morning, at Ian Lee or at BBC 3CR. Uh, You can call in. It's better if you call in. I'll read out some tweets, but it's better if you call in. Uh, Scott has said, if I had a time machine, I'd go back to last night and ask Neil Young a question. Yeah, Neil Young was answering questions on Twitter. You don't know who? The singer? No. Okay. He didn't answer mine, Scott. I sent him a couple. He didn't answer mine. Um, And Sean says, morning, Nick. Uh, my favourite TV car is also Kit or <laughs> the Starsky and Hutch car. Let's 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 nip this Nick thing in the bud, shall we? We had this yesterday with a caller who thought I was called Nick. Let's let's just stop this nonsense before it goes any further. Um, Bill from Hemel, morning, Bill. Hello, it's me, okay from Hemel. We we can't like a bad smell. We can't shake you, but also like no, a bad smell. You you You're, can. Can. You're fascinating. <laughs> Am I? Oh. <laughs> oh, I've got to cover about three things. I've got to say. Go yeah, on, there, quickly, you do it. I'll, I'll sit back. You do it. Right
27: now, uh, you're saying about the favourite cars. Uh, I think my favourite car of all time is old Columbo's car. What did Columbo you know
1: drive? Yeah, the Columbo, you know Columbo, yeah. the detective. I, I know it, who he is. What did he drive? I don't
27: know. This is what... If you can get your uh, your listeners to ask what it is, it's a foreign car, right? But I tell you what, every time you see that car, you know that they're going. To, he's going to get his man or his woman. Was it? Um, was it
1: a Peugeot four hundred three convertible? I oh, just off the top of my head. Well, don't you swear at me? <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know what it is
27: That's actually. So I think it's a, a brilliant car. Okay, you know it's a. It, 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 Everybody sort of, like, looks at it and goes, uh, an infuriated car, but I think it's brilliant.
1: An infuriated anyway, car, yes, OK. Right, the yes. other
27: one, the other one I was going to say about... You know what we talking about uh, traditions the other week? Oh, a couple of weeks. So you know uh, what? You know, the, you know the glass? You know the what? clinking of the glasses? What on earth you, Bill, What on earth
1: are you talking about?
27: You remember a couple of about four or five weeks ago we were talking about uh, um, uh, glasses being chinked? You know, cheers. <laughs> oh yes, where did? Where, okay, let
1: I, I do. Listen, I can barely remember what I did yesterday. We were yeah, asking well, where people clinking glasses and saying cheers right. came well, from. Well, I've yes. got to
27: find out now. It's, it's, it's shaking the devil from below
1: the, the glass. Well, we, we thought it was to prove that your drink isn't poisoned or something. No, no,
27: no. It's yeah. shaking the devil. Shaking oh, okay.
1: the devil away from the glass. OK. Anything that else one. Anything else yeah, that we talked about in the last six months? And the
27: Argus book. Yes. Oh, I'll tell you why. If I get rid of that, I'm, 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 I'm gone. What? I don't know what to do.
1: What, why, Bill? What, what, why is it so special oh, to you? Because I always get all my bits and bobs from Argus, and they're very, very good people. The, the shop will and still I- be going, but they're just slowly phasing the catalogue out.
27: Oh, I hope they don't, because it's a, I, You know, because I'm... I'm I'm disabled and I, you know, I've got the book and if I want something, I'll look at it and go, right, that's what I want. And I can get what I want. But if they do, if they put away with it, then I'm, I can't get anything.
1: Well, I, 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 I'm sure there are other disabled people that can, that buy things without specifically using that catalogue. There must be other catalogues you could use, Bill.
27: Well, I've never had a try of any other catalogues, well, but I always like that one. Do you know, you,
1: to, do, you, do you not um, Do you not have a computer, Bill? No, I
27: don't. No, I'm a disabled uh, pensioner. I haven't got
1: any of these uh, fangled things. <laughs> these these new-fangled computers? No. Well, Bill, listen, I think, I think they're going to be around for a little while. They're going, but they're going slowly. Yeah. Oh,
27: crikey, look what I could just see out the window. What? I've got a fox.
1: Thanks very much for calling, Bill. Bill from Hemel. <laughs> <laughs> Who's just spotted a fox? Thank you, Bill. Always a pleasure to talk to you, mate. Brilliant. Let's get the weather now it's with
16: Steve. Park's awesome weather.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
16: Is it after his chickens? Never mind. Today then, uh, a rather cloudy day, a little bit of misty low cloud draped over the Chilterns and the Downs and perhaps still some mist around first thing with patchy rain and drizzle through the morning but with some brighter spells developing later on. Top temperatures only 13 Celsius, 55 Fahrenheit with the winds moderate northeasterly. Tonight, mainly dry with the cloud breaking to leave some clearer spells. Temperatures down to 3 Celsius, 37 Fahrenheit. Still with a light northeasterly breeze, and I suspect that one or two places, particularly through the Chilterns, could easily drop to two. So, um, in sheltered spots, a touch of ground frost is likely tonight. Tomorrow, Friday, a feeling chilly all day, but mainly dry with sunny spells and patchy clouds. Saturday is a very cold start, probably quite a, a widespread frost. Temperatures in places could actually drop to uh, um, zero to minus one, so widespread a ground perhaps a touch of air frost on Saturday morning, but it will be a dry day with sunny spells and patchy clouds. Sunday, some bright intervals, but clouds thickening up to bring in some patchy, light, showery rain later on. Monday, rather cloudy, with further outbreaks of showery rain. And there's your forecast from me, Steve Weston. Thank you, Stephen. (laughs) Weather fans, I should um, just point out that from next week,
1: uh, I know change, things moving, confusion, emergency, emergency, as my little boy would say, Uh, the weather is moving, uh, time-wise, not in any other uh, aspect. You're used to having it about 20 past 7. It's going to be, from next week, uh, quarter to the hour. So, quarter to 7, quarter to 8, quarter to 9 you'll get used you'll get used to it i know you've built your day around it you'll get used to it it makes my life easy we've got that weird little bit between the news and the weather that's we fill with people like bill from hemel (laughs) bill from hemel will still be welcome on the show don't worry but from next week the weather will be moving to quarter to the hour so don't get confused now it's the 10th anniversary since the first british person traveled to dignitas in switzerland to die since then, 217 Britons have travelled uh, to Dignitas. Some, uh, one of those people was Chris Lana. He went to Dignitas Clinic in 2010 with his ex-wife, Alison, who was suffering from MS, so decided she wanted to end her life. Chris joins me on the line now. Morning, Chris. Good morning. Taking you back uh, to 2010, why did Alison want to die? Why was she so determined?
30: Um... Well, her, her, her MS, her body was uh, s- slowly and steadily giving up, and over the previous uh, five years to that, her health had just inexorably declined, and there wasn't any hope of reversing it. So she'd lost a lot of control of her body. She couldn't walk anymore. She couldn't operate. Uh, her hands, her feet, you know, her internal organs were giving up. It was just um, miserable for her um
1: what yeah. did she say yeah. chris how did the conversation come up where she said that this is what she was considering um
30: it was quite a few years before that we actually went and she asked me on a uh, on a theoretical basis you know it wasn't a, it wasn't an immediate thing she said you know if it if it ever comes to it if my, my health ever deteriorates anymore um you know would you be would you be willing to do that um, and i said yes because i knew that she was not a woman to give up easily it was not going to be a cry for help if she decided that she'd had enough then that was uh, that was going to be a um, um yeah she wouldn't have come to that decision easily just you know I mean
1: uh, and did other members of the family see it as clearly as you did
30: Everybody was very upset, but um, MS is an extremely distressing illness, not just for the sufferer, but for everybody round. and uh, everybody else had witnessed Alison's health just go downhill, so reluctantly people were, you know, accepting of her decision. They
1: were, yeah. Uh, but listen, my mum's got MS and, and I, I've seen what it does and it is, it is um, the, the particularly cruel the, the way it, it progresses. When you made the plans to do this, Chris, did you have any worries um, for yourself that you could be prosecuted or you could, you know, that people might look at you disapprovingly?
30: Um, well, I wasn't. I wasn't concerned about disapproving looks. You can get disapproving looks for wearing the wrong hairstyle in the wrong town. Tell me, so. tell
1: me, tell me about it. Yeah, I know that. I'm, old, I'm old enough to have got over
30: that. Um, I, I wasn't quite. I wasn't so worried about being prosecuted or anything. But I did have friends and uh, members of my family who were worried on my behalf um but i was I was more focused on that Allison had asked me to do this extraordinary thing with her, and um if she needed that then i was gonna i was gonna I was willing to face whatever uh, might come up as it happened um by late two thousand and ten this was sort of November two thousand and ten by that point the police and the uh, prosecution services were increasingly embarrassed about being asked to prosecute people such as myself mm. you know i don't represent a threat to uh, the public um i'm not about to do it again or set up in business um and so the police have never investigated me at all came back um yeah, I've never heard anything from any authorities. It's been ten but, uh, years... But in, but in terms of disapproving looks, yes, of course, there are people who who would say that it was unethical, mm. uh, what I did, unethical, what Alison did. You know, of course, you're going to have people with those opinions. Yeah, but I don't... Uh, that don't, that don't mad me, no, unless I say.
1: <laughs> it does... It does uh, listen, I'm supposed to be impartial on these things, but on this I do feel quite strongly. It does seem to strike me as odd that people do uh, uh, say that a person doesn't have the right to choose when and how they go. If they are suffering in any way, and MS, as I said, is, is a particularly cruel disease, it, it seems obvious to me that you have the right to say, I've had enough of this, I'm off, thanks very much. But people don't... Uh, do you think the government need to start really seriously looking at the laws in this country about assisted suicide, Chris? <laughs>
30: I really do. I think it's. I think it's inevitable. I think today, it being a ten, the tenth anniversary, of mm. this rather shameful um, uh, um, exporting of a, of a quite a major problem exporting to to Switzerland, um, I think is, pr- is pretty shocking, really, and I think it does need to happen. Of course, people have got extraordinary worries about this whole business, and, um, you know, any change of the law would have to be accompanied by fairly rigorous safeguards, mm. but I think those are being talked about. Um, I mean, people do have very serious worries about... Various issues of it some people are worried about the mere efficacy of um, of taking life into our own hands that somehow God ought to be involved um, but, and others are worried about the practicalities of such a law and whether it could be abused and so forth these These are serious worries well the, the, the latter one about the abuse of the law is particularly mm. a, a serious worry um, but you know, they can, they they can be addressed. I believe they can be addressed, and I think that if the law is not looked at, um, then it's, it's it's quite a shameful. Chris, y- y- you've
1: written a play about this, haven't you?
30: I have. I've written a play. It's called An Instinct for Kindness. Um, yes, and I'm on tour with it at the moment. So, if anybody's in Guildford tonight or tomorrow at the Evon Arno, that's where I am. Yeah.
1: Is there? Have you got a website plugging this place in case people are interested and want to go and have a look?
30: um an instinct for kindness so the initials of that
1: wwwaifk.co.uk would uh, get you through chris thanks very much for coming on that's uh, chris lana who escorted his ex-wife to dignitas in uh, 2010 um, I, I, I am have just been partial on these things but it seems obvious to me that if you're unhappy and you are in pain and you are suffering then surely you have you have the right to say that's it, I'm off. I've had enough of this. No, I've said to my, my mum, my mum's got MS. And we kind of, we've had conversations about this a long time ago. Uh, we had this conversation. I've said to my wife, if I, ever, if I get anywhere as bad as my mum, I'm, I'm going. I, 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 I want to go, definitely. Oh, wait, 459-455-555. Five, 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 five. Travel news now. Sophie Tyler.
11: Beds. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Still queuing at the moment, anti-clockwise on the M25 following the earlier accident, which has now been moved to the hard shoulder. Now it looks like the accident was between 25 at Enfield and 24 at Potter's Bar, but congestion is still back to 27 at the M11. Also looking fairly slow at the moment, elsewhere on the M25, between 18 at Chorleywood and 16 at the M40. Usual delays for this time in the morning, anti-clockwise and southbound on the A1, the Great North Road. We still have reports at the moment that it's blocked with queuing traffic following an earlier accident. lorry and a car involved just around the Black Cat roundabout and southbound as well on the Barnet Bar bypass still slow between sterling corner and the watford bypass now on the trains still not looking too bad at the moment seems to be coping fairly well out there everything else not looking too bad at all sophie tyler bbc three counties radio
1: thank you very much sophie oh eight four five nine four double five five double five we've got a comment on what we just spoke about or any of the things we're talking about this morning and maybe we'll speak to you after the news with Catherine boyle getting beds hearts and bugs talking
2: this is bbc three counties radio
0: Good morning at 7.30, the headlines. Unison is hitting out at police authority plans to outsource back office police jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. The union says it would put profit ahead of the public. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back 63 years. And Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land near Hatfield. <laughs>
11: Ed's Hearts and Bucks Sports, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Manchester City looked to be all but out of this season's Champions League after a 3-1 defeat away at Ajax. Manager Roberto Mancini admitted his team were underprepared for the match in Amsterdam and personally took the blame for the defeat. With one point from three matches, coach David Platt admits qualification isn't looking good.
16: Mathematically, it's not... Impossible. You know, there'd be no more slip-ups, that's for certain. I think you've got to win all three games now to to get through. If we do win all three games, then we'd qualify, I think. But it's, it's, it's difficult to do that with the, you know, going to Dortmund's not easy. Playing Real Madrid at home's not easy.
0: Arsenal lost their first home Champions League group game to non-English opposition in nine years as they slipped to a 2-0 defeat to Schalke. Arsenal are second in their group, with manager Arsene Wenger serving a touchline ban. Assistant Steve Bold took charge and admitted results and performances need to improve.
14: Listen, we've got nine points to play for, so whatever we get them points from, it, it doesn't matter. But um, I'm sure we'll perform a damn sight better next time.
0: In the Europa League this evening, Liverpool host Russian side Anzi at Anfield, Newcastle host Club Bruges and Tottenham are at NK Maribor. Meanwhile, England's cricketers leave today for a training camp in Dubai ahead of their tour of India. Much of the build-ups focused on the return of batsman Kevin Peterson. his new test captain Alistair Cook.
3: Once the decision made that we've got Kevin back in the team, we do have to draw a line what's happened, um, a line in the sand what's happened over the last couple of months. Look, I'm just delighted we've got a world-class player back. Um, As a captain, I I wanted our best players to be available because that's how we know we get our best results.
0: And that's your latest from BBC Three Counties News and Sport. More from me at 8. Call 08459 455
2: 555.
21: 08459 455
1: 555.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Morning. This is in Lee BBC Three Counties Radio. Do give us a call if you want to talk about any of the things coming up in the next half an hour. Several supermarkets are putting the cost of petrol down by tuppence, but on average, it's still one pound thirty-three a litre. Is it becoming too expensive for you? One pound thirty-three, even after the, d- I I see it very. I, I don't think I've seen it less than one thirty-seven recently, and even with the tuppence off, that's one thirty-five. Some places, forty two. You, you, can, you can stick that, sir. I shan't be paying that. 08459 double five five double five. Can we find in the three counties, where is the cheapest, the most expensive petrol, please? What's the highest price? I don't want to know the name of the shop or the garage that's selling it. I just want to know the area. The highest and the lowest price petrol you've seen. 08459 nine four double Let's try and find some bargains today. Now, yesterday we told you all about a protest taking place against plans to build a controversial waste incinerator near Hatfield House. The plans have been approved by Hertfordshire County Council. The Veolia Group will process nearly 400,000 tonnes of waste every year at the plant. Protesters say that this is unnecessary, it's too big and it is ugly. Hertfordshire County Council says the incinerator is needed to deal with a growing and costly waste problem. Councillor Brian Hammond, chair of the Development Control Committee, explained to our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, why it had been passed.
17: To be absolutely simple, it was passed because 11 of our members, uh, out of the 15, uh, were were convinced on the arguments in in favour of the the application. Uh, And I think that uh, particularly they they were mindful of the need for the county to manage its own waste. You know, we've been exporting waste to Bedford, to Cambridge, to North London, parts of Berkshire, for so long that quite correctly we're under pressure to organise it ourselves within the
18: county. And on the location of the site, I mean, we heard from the owners of Hatfield House, a great one-listed property, the county's most popular tourist attraction, as we were told. This will be very visible from that uh, from that site.
17: I wouldn't agree it's very visible. Uh, I, th- I think the average tourist going to Hatfield House would not be wishing, looking at the sky as they're going around the house.
18: Well, the, the, the owners did give a, a, a whole list of places where they, they were convinced not just the, the stacks but the plume would be visible from as well.
17: But I, I'm not sure it would be sufficiently visible or unattractive to put off the tourists. They'll, they'll be going around Hatfield House and at some stage if they choose to look in a certain direction they will
1: see it. If they choose to look in a certain direction, they will see it. Uh, that was Brian Hammond, uh, councillor and chair of the Development Control Committee, speaking to our reporter, Paul Scoynes. Kathy Rowe is from Hatfield Against Incineration. She joins me now. Morning, Kathy. Good morning. Uh, you were at the protest yesterday, were you? I certainly was, There yes. were busloads of people, as we heard. There were busloads of people, yes. What was it like in there? Oh,
4: um... Well, um, of course, it would have been much better if the councillors had actually seen some sense. But, of course, from the comment that you've just heard from Brian Hammond, you can see that they're not open to sense. I mean, if he's talking about, you know, walking around the house, he seems to have forgotten that Hatfield House has got a huge park, gardens, and, of course, the, the impact on that that is absolutely essential and that might put off the tourists very much. And, of course, not, you know, it's a building with... Bloom of emissions visible coming out of it. So, um, I mean, this is a kind of boneheaded comment that was made yesterday by some of the councillors. And also, of course, what he's just said, totally, totally blind to any kind of open way of looking at dealing with waste. All they can trot out is, right, we've got a problem with landfill, so we'll burn it. I mean, this is, you know, this is back in the dark ages. Uh, They're not looking at forward-looking solutions, proper solutions to. What is a waste problem of landfill?
1: What are the other alternatives then, Cathy? Because this, this ticks two boxes, doesn't it? It's, it's a way of getting r- rid of waste, and it creates energy. Yes,
4: it does, but um, one of the things that came out yesterday, they're claiming it, it's, not, um, it's not sustainable energy. They produce no data whatsoever. This was one, I mean, one of their many, many weaknesses in their case yesterday, that they don't provide the data to prove what they say they're proving. Because, of course, they claim that they're proving that they have very special circumstances to override all the harm that would be done by it, by the, the incinerator being there. They admit it's inappropriate development, it would create harm, they admit this, but they're saying that's overridden by their need to um, get rid of this waste. But, of course, they could, what they should be doing is getting proper estimates of what the recycling might be like over the next 30 years, which is what we're talking We're not talking about next week. Mm. um, They should get estimates that are realistic and how much change there could be in the amount of waste that's actually produced, because of course waste is going to be reduced at source all the time. Waste is being reduced
1: at source. But not enough. There is always going to be waste that we can't recycle, isn't there? And and we can't keep landfilling. So So what would you
4: suggest we do instead? Well, this is what I said. I said you increase recycling to the absolute maximum. Now, when you say there's always going to be waste, I have got here in Warren Hatfield three bins... One is for food, garden waste, one is for recyclables, the other is for anything else. Well, there isn't very much in the anything else bin if you're actually very careful well, about Kathy, it.
1: Kathy, Cathy, that's Cathy. Listen, you're bending the truth slightly. Cause no, I also, no don't I'm you, not. Well, listen, you are, because I have bins, Kathy. I've well, then that.
4: you're not recycling properly, because what you've got to do is make sure that every single thing that could be recycled is recycled. And I do that, Kathy, But so I, also,
1: I, I also have uh, two boys. I've got dirty nappies. First thing, uh, can't recycle oh, those. well,
4: nappies, you see now, if you get onto nappies, yes. you're getting here to this is where the source of the whole thing right. has got to What do you suggest we I mean- do
1: instead of use nappies?
4: Well, obviously, going back, I'm afraid, I know it's... Uh, not, some, we're not, not going go to start boiling that. back the old
1: system, but, but
4: also they do need to develop some system, and I believe that our system's in development now, to actually recycle dirty waste like nappies.
1: Kathy, listen, it does sound a little bit... We're talking bit, about
4: 30 years.
1: Yeah, I know, but it does sound a little bit like you're, you're, you're clutching at straws by criticising me for not recycling enough. I know how much waste I've got that I can no, recycle. No, I'm not really criticising you. I think recycling's very Cathy, difficult. Cathy, recycling's listen, very listen,
4: difficult, and people have listen, to... Listen, Uh, Kathy.
1: I, I, you know, I know how much can be recycled. I know how much can't be recycled, and there is still lots of stuff that can't be recycled. What do you suggest? What do you suggest we do with that stuff?
4: Well, if it's totally inert, of course it can be landfilled. What you mustn't landfill is anything that's going to give off methane and is. But we are running out of landfill
1: space. Landfill isn't an option in the future. There are sites, in fact, for
4: landfill that will be filled up. They'll be full. No, there are sites for landfill. But they have it's full. vastly reduced, there No, no, this we is a, it. a non argument. Anyway, well, that no, 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 I'd not, like not, to talk about... No, 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 not this. anyway. Not anyway, let's just do I'd this. I'd like could... talk about what
1: happened yesterday. You can do in because, a second. You can do in a second, Cathy. Cathy, you can do in a second. I'll let you get to that, I promise. But this is a very, very important thing that you can't brush over. We can't keep landfilling forever. We can't do it because there will, there will not, come a point. We're not saying landfill...
4: You, you, anaerobic, you use anaerobic digestion for food and any compostable waste. You recycle every. I am listening. I can see why I got heated yesterday
1: because you're not listening. You've just said that we can keep landfilling, and then you've said that you're not no, talking about it. No, I
4: said a small amount of landfill is acceptable for anything that is totally inert. But I didn't say we could keep landfilling. We do not want land because obviously it's not good for the environment to keep filling up space. Okay. okay, what
1: happened yesterday? Because you're contradicting yourself, Cathy. I'm getting very little sense here. What happened yesterday?
4: What happened yesterday was that the councillors were trying to say that they had overriding need to um, override all the harm that would be caused. But of course they didn't prove this, because they didn't pre- present correct data. They didn't project. Correct data on the amount of waste they've got and will have in the future. They didn't pre- present any data on the fact that this actually this burning process wouldn't create carbon, creating climate change. There was lo- they didn't present a proper alternative sites assessment. It's absolutely full of flaws. That there are other sites. Um, they didn't explain why they hadn't consulted with Hatfield House in the first place. They didn't actually consult with them until Hatfield House put in a late objection. They didn't... um Explain what can happen about the traffic impacts on the residents and on Southfield School. They didn't counter any of these arguments about the site. They had no case except to say, oh, we've got overriding need. Now, they haven't got overriding need because what we're saying is this incinerator is far too big. It's 380,000 tonnes it would cope with. Now, that is not... That is much, much bigger than they're going to need now or in the future. You know, they've actually made a contract with uh, Veolia for a minimum of 180,000 tonnes.
1: Cathy, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. I think I can see part of the problem with the protesters is, is that no one, and listen, I'm not uh, saying I'm for or against this either way. I, I don't live there. I don't know. But no one has um, has come up with a viable alternative. None of the protesters we spoke to yesterday, and Cathy there, No one has come up with a viable alternative. And this waste has to go somewhere. And you can't keep landfilling, Cathy, you can't do that. Because at some point in the future, 5 years, 10 years, 30 years, whenever, at some point there will be nowhere left to fill. There'll be no more room to bury waste. Or maybe maybe I'm being an idiot. Am I being an idiot here? Listen, I'll tell you now, I'm not an expert uh, when it comes to waste disposal. It seems to me pretty obvious you can't keep uh, landfilling waste. And I was a little bit disappointed that Cathy that, that, that said I'm not, I'm not recycling well enough. Trust me, I, I am. My council are pretty tough on that. Uh, and everything that can be recycled, we do. And there's still a lot of rubbish that goes in the bins. 08459 oh, four double five five double five is the telephone number. Petrol. Apparently it's going down by tuppence. Um, on average. The average price is 133 a litre. I've not seen it. Esther in Luton. How much are you paying for petrol?
31: Um, I get mine up um, up Farley area, but where I work,
9: I went past the petrol station yesterday. I won't name it, but it was one four eight for petrol, one four nine for diesel.
1: I beg your pardon, Nessa. There, there was a blip on the line for a second. I thought you said one four eight for petrol. Correct. That's wowzers. do don't, don't tell yeah. So don't tell us the name or anything or give the street. No. But rough, roughly, what area was that in? Uh, um, if I say the, the place, you'll know exactly okay. where it is. So okay. I say, don't, don't, In
9: that case, often it. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's yep. that's incredible. I'm guessing there were people still filling up there, were there? It's the only one around for a, a, a long way, so you have to. It's but that, I it's don't. It, <laughs> how much do you do you normally pay, Esther?
31: Um, about
1: one three three something like that. Wow. See, uh, it, it, one three seven. I mean, 136, I'm definitely in. Even if I don't need it, I'm stopping. If I saw it for 133, I'd be there. But Esther, thank you for that. 148 for petrol. 149 for diesel. Can anyone beat that in beds, hearts and bucks? We're looking for the... And I, I, I don't want to name the companies. I don't want to, you know, uh, or, or know the exact areas. I want to know the highest and the, the lowest price of petrol that you have seen. 148. Really? 08459 oh, four double five five double five.
2: Hearts and Bucks Travel.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: One, We are still looking at delays at the moment between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flitwick, and also fairly slow again around Junction 10 at Luton Airport. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, still slow as well, but in Junction 28 at the Brook Street Roundabout and 25 at the A10 for Enfield will take you around 45 minutes to get through that stretch and another 40 minutes to get through from 19 at Watford to 15 at the M4. Now, in Roxton, the A1 Great North Road is still blocked in both directions with queuing traffic following an accident, a lorry and a car involved just around the Black Cat Roundabout. Trains aren't looking too bad at the moment. Tubes are also looking good on the local live departure boards. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie. Morning, it's 7.45. It's Thursday the 25th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Unison is accusing the police authority of putting profits before the public with its plans to outsource police support jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hatfield. In sport, England's cricketers leave today for a training camp in Dubai ahead of the tour of India. Your weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, staying mostly cloudy with some patchy rain or drizzle. Top temperature, 13 degrees, brilliant. Coming up, Imagine what it must be like to live daily in fear because of prostitution and crime in your area. Well, that's exactly what the residents in one part of Luton are feeling. Before 8 o'clock, we'll hear from someone from the English Collective of Prostitutes on the issue.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday afternoon from three, Roberto Peroni. And
13: it's fair to say you have quite a thing for Miley Cyrus. Yeah, you could say that. How many tattoos do you have? At the last count, it was 17. What happens, Carl, if your passion for for Miley Cyrus ends? I hope
2: not. Roberto Peroni.
13: The people who are around you, for example, like your mum or your wife, your partner, and you say, I'm going to go on another jump from the edge of
1: space or as high as I can possibly get. They must think, oh, no, here he goes again. Well, i
6: got to be honest, I hope my dad's not listening because he still
21: doesn't know that I jump. Your dad does know you're doing Director of the National Space Centre. He knows that. Let's hope he doesn't make the link and start trying to go out about my skydiving life. Roberto
2: Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Can we find petrol more expensive than one forty-eight a litre? That seems that just seems criminal, doesn't it? One forty-eight a litre. No. Once if I see one thirty-six, I'm in. I'll have some of that, please. Anything other than that? Wow, it's Christmas. Surely. Now, imagine what it must be like to live daily in fear because of prostitution and crime in your area. That's exactly what the residents in one part of Luton are feeling. They say the council are not doing enough to improve the area and make it safer. A local charity called Azalea, who offers support to women involved in the sex trade, has also been criticised because people living and working locally feel the work they do encourages prostitutes to stay in the area.
21: If we look in here, it's... Pretty grim. We can see wine bottles on the floor, which obviously being discarded, dirty tissues. Yes. There's an empty condom packet as well. There's
22: two, yeah. Pretty grim. Extremely grim, and this is what we have to live with, and this is what um, Azalea and the councillors should come and be... This is where they should be putting their sympathy with us, and they should see what... This is what their clients do to us. You see every kind of um, human dereliction that you could never believe was possible and having sex up people's
23: front doors. Once it starts getting dark, you know, you're always having to look out of who's coming into the shop, you're always having to look out the window, you know, and there's also customers who come in complaining about people coming into their cars when they're stopping. You know, you're, you, you you face verbal abuse from them sometimes, and even at times there's been physical as well.
24: I haven't been able to go out in the evening because I've been accosted by curb crawlers, and curb crawlers continuously go around these streets. Um, The reason I don't see any prostitutes now is because I just don't go out at all in the evening, and um, my daughter can never go out at all in the evening either, and we do feel like prisoners. Um, One time I was followed, and I I know what's going to happen because I can tell by the way these men follow me, what they're going to say, and they they start acting weird and coming really close to me and stuff and, um, and then I know they've kind of asked me for business, that's what they say to me but um, I feel like prey uh,
1: Carrie Mitchell is from the English Collective of Prostitutes she joins us now. Morning Carrie Good morning. Carrie, when you hear um, accounts like that from people living in Luton, what they have to put up with w- you must sympathise with that
31: Well, there's a lot of life going on and uh, of course it's difficult for people if they feel they cannot uh, say to somebody who is, you know, they think is going to ask them for business, they can't just say, no, go away, I'm not working. Um, but the point is that, you know, there is um, increasing poverty. Um, you know, there's a welfare reform going on, and we are um, being contacted by women um, a lot now who are having to. Go back into prostitution just to mm. survive, mm. and it's a very serious situation for everybody. And of course, it really does divide up communities. Of but course it
1: does. Of course it does. And people are. These are desperate times, and people are turning to desperate measures. But just to go back to that to that first point, th- mm. th- that that woman. Shouldn't be asked. She shouldn't even be asked if she's working. If it's her street and she's walking along her street, she shouldn't have to say no. I'm not working. She shouldn't feel that she is being watched uh, uh, and approached in a sexual way. Should she? She should have the freedom to walk around wearing what she wants without people thinking she's a prostitute.
31: Well, exactly. And of course, all it shows is that that there's no difference between you know women who are working and women who are not. But the fact is that well, there is a as, long, as long as you know. Um, Women. It is mainly women and it's mainly mothers, in fact, supporting families as well as, you know, people doing for other reasons, but mainly mothers who are having to work in the sex industry. As long as that situation persists, which it will, uh, while the government uh, is – well, while any government is uh, not making sure that everybody has enough to live on – then uh, that situation is going to remain. And what we would say is, you know, please complain to, to your local council through the government that women should never have to be in this situation and that everybody should have the help they need if they want to leave prostitution, if they can. One problem is that um, if women get a conviction and the police are responsible for this, that once women have a conviction for prostitution, mm. then it's almost impossible to get out, because, you know, who is going to employ somebody who has a conviction, you know, a criminal conviction?
1: I don't think that the people that we uh, we spoke to in that report uh, uh, are necessarily going to feel like complaining to the council to increase um, support and benefits so that women don't have to work as prostitutes, are they? They just want the prostitutes taken away from their street. And that's fair enough, isn't it?
31: Well, it's not like that because it's just, you know, women are going to have to go somewhere else. At the moment, they are um, at least familiar with the streets um, in
1: the But, but my why, should I, why should I. It doesn't happen in my street, but why should I accept that in my street? Why should I accept, for example, if, if there were prostitutes in my street, which there aren't, but if there were, that, that I would be concerned about my wife walking in, in her, the own street, that she was, would have to be mindful of what she wore in case people thought she's a prostitute? That's, that, that's not acceptable, is it? It's very
31: difficult, but well, it's not though, no, is it, it?
1: It's it? It's not it, acceptable.
31: It, it, it is very difficult for people, but the, the point is that that customers are not um, are not going to harm anybody.
1: All they need to be well, told is no. But but why should anyone? Why should any woman be, be forced into that position? Why should she have to say no? Walking out of her house? Why should she?
31: Yes, and why should anybody have to work in the sex industry? Because they don't have enough money in their pockets. That is the problem. And it's not going to... The the, the situation is not going mm -hmm. to change. It's either going to be in your backyard or somebody else's backyard. Until women can work indoors. The other problem is that women can't... It's much more difficult for women to to work indoors. And, you know, there are laws which prevent women from working indoors where it's obviously safer. And, you know, less work to work indoors. Um, But, uh, you know, it, it really is a situation for the government and 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 we would really ask residents to direct their um, angst at You know, the local council to put pressure on the government to say, you know, more women are working in our area, it's more difficult for us now, but it really is down, it really, really is down to the government. But when the people complain, Carrie,
1: when people complain to the council, what they're complaining about is the fact that there are prostitutes on this street uh, having sex up against their doorways, um, being verbally abused by people, they want those people removed. So they are basically complaining to the police and the council saying, arrest them, that's not what you want. But uh, I'm surprised... That you seem to have very little empathy for the people that live in these streets that are being affected neg- affected negatively by prostitution. The
31: question is what to be done if women are your people talk about women being removed. That yeah. What are they What are they proposing? Women are you well, know the, that that's, that is a really um, very draconian. Well, it's not extent. it's not for the
1: people in the street where they're having sex up against their doorways. There are condoms lying around, and the mo- young mothers are being asked if they're working. That that's unacceptable, isn't it?
31: It's a very difficult situation. Yes or no? Is
1: that unacceptable? No, it's
31: not unacceptable. It's a very it's difficult, not unacceptable. It's a difficult situation for everybody. Let me just everybody. clarify.
1: Let me just clarify. You're saying it's not unacceptable for a young mum to walk out of her house in the early evening and be asked if she's a prostitute. That's not unacceptable behaviour.
31: There are ve- it's a very bad world we live in and there are, ve- are lots wow. of very bad things going on and this is wow. one of the very difficult things to, to, but, to deal with but you're that saying it's not,
1: not it's mother, not that's not unacceptable but that mother
31: what is she going to do what is she ex- what is she proposing that this she's other hoping mother that, that she she's
1: hoping that she can walk in her own street and not be asked if she's a prostitute yes, that's, what that's, is she proposing that she that, that, is that what is she proposing why, done why is it that mother's concern what if the prostitute isn't uh, listen I'm, you, you know if the prostitute isn't concerned about that young mum why should that young mum be concerned about the prostitute?
31: She may very well be concerned then about Then go and work somewhere better. else so that
1: this mum doesn't get hassled, that they're not having sex up against her doorway, that there aren't condoms in her street that her little kids are finding.
31: Nothing is straightforward. The wow. point is, what are you... what, is, what, are people wow. pro- what I'm are people, really surprised, what, Carrie. What are people proposing? What do you propose this woman is thrown into prison?
1: I'm not proposing anything, but this is what the the people on this street would probably want. Whether that's right or wrong, that's what they want, because that solves the fact that this young mum is not being asked if she's a prostitute, which is quite a big thing. And then when she comes out of prison, what what does that solve? You seem to have taken, Carrie, a very one-sided opinion on this, and, and uh, it's, it's admirable that you are on the side of prostitutes, but I, I'm surprised, and a little bit disappointed, that you seem to have no empathy for the people who aren't working in the sex industry that are affected negatively by this. It's well, acceptable for someone, it's acceptable for a prostitute to have sex up against someone's front door, is it?
31: But you're, what, what you're describing, you keep saying that... Because it's, it's an example it's, we've got. It's an, it's an example. example. It's an example it's,
1: we've got. It's, it's an example. Exactly. So is that acceptable, yes or no? Is that exa- example that has happened... Yeah acceptable yes or no
31: I don't have to say yes or no the point what well, that what shows are, a weakness if you are can't answer a yes or the, no question the way you are dealing with this issue is yes. not helping anybody
1: Well but it would you be helping the people
31: you are trying to polarize the situation But then you the are polarizing the
1: situation Carrie, from your side can you not see that that you are polarizing by saying that but by not denying it's unaccept, by not denying it's unacceptable you're basically condoning that behavior aren't you
31: I'm saying that There is a bigger situation here which will not, which will, uh, which is directly affecting everyday people, people's everyday lives. And until that situation, you know which is down to the government, is down to the police to, to stop arresting women so that women aren't convicted of offences and are therefore able to leave the sex industry when and if they can and for the government to make sure that everybody has money in their hands instead of cutting money, which is what they're doing now. Um, as I say, women are having to return to prostitution. Women are More women are having to go onto the streets just to get money to eat just to get money to eat, and that is a situation that people are facing. That is also a completely unacceptable situation, and to pose it in the way that you are does not help the situation, does not help the woman in her house who feels she can't go out, and it does not help the woman who has happened to work on the street. That is all I'm saying.
1: Carrie Mitchell, thank you very much indeed. That's Carrie Mitchell from the English Collective of Prostitutes. If you've got a say on that, I'm sure you have. 08459 four double five five double five. Do you agree with what Carrie was saying there? that uh, we should be helping the prostitutes. It's a tough one, isn't it? And it is awful. It's awful. I don't mean to to go thinking I'm dead against these women. It's awful that young mums have to turn to the sex industry to pay for food for their kids. Of course it is. But it's also really awful, and, and Carrie didn't seem to pick up on this, and however much I tried to get her to listen, she didn't seem to quite hear this, it's awful, awful, also awful, that a young mum can't walk out in her street without being asked if she's a prostitute. That there are people having sex up against their front doors, that there are condoms in the street—that that's—that's awful as well, isn't it? And uh, while I'm empathetic to both sides, I guess I have to kind of fall on the side of the woman who isn't the prostitute. It's a tough one. 08459 wait, double five five double five. Right, let's get the travel news out, Sophie Tyler.
11: Hearts and Bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio
12: heading through Roxton on the A1, the Great North Road. It is still partially blocked with queuing traffic following an earlier accident, a lorry and a car involved at the Black Cat Roundabout. Now, congestion is back to the St Near's Junction and on the A421, that's the Bedford Southern Bypass. It is still looking slow as well, back towards Great Barford Bypass. Now, southbound on the A1 Barnet Way, it is still slow as well, between Sterling Corner and the Watford Bypass. But moving on to the motorway, southbound on the M1, we're still looking at 20 minute delays between 13 at Bedford and 12 at Flittick. Also still slow as well, Junction ten at Luton Airport and nine at Redbourne, and anti-clockwise on the M25. Still slow as well. Just been twenty-six at Waltham Abbey and twenty-four at Potter's Bar. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie. It's a lively show this morning, Sparky. I will describe it, Sparky. Maybe we'll speak to you after the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines Union warns against police privatisation, pensioner convicted of abuse dating back 63 years, and green light for Hatfield Incinerator. BBC Three Counties Radio. Unison has hit out at the police authorities' plans to outsource back office jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire, saying the proposals put profit ahead of the public. Police support staff could be provided by G4S if the money saving scheme is approved. Jim Mallon from the Bedfordshire Police Federation says this would be a huge mistake
29: because accountability uh, as things stand is to the public but if if we privatize certain elements of the back office functions you're then accountable to shareholders and it's fundamentally different for me
0: Two British service personnel have been killed in Afghanistan. A Royal Marine from 40 Commando and a female soldier from 3 Medical Regiment died from injuries sustained whilst on patrol in the Nahr-e-Saraj district of Helmand province yesterday. Their families have been informed. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse including rape dating back 63 years in what's believed to be one of the oldest criminal cases in UK legal history. 78-year-old Reginald Davis has been found guilty of 13 offences committed in Wales between 1949 and 1973. The former serviceman was arrested last July in Australia and has since been living in Sawbridgeworth. He'll be sentenced tomorrow. Hertfordshire County Council have backed building a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land in Hatfield. The final decision could yet go to a planning inquiry and campaigners are to fi- vowing to fight on. And they'll have the full backing of the MP for Well Hatfield and Conservative Party Chairman Grant Shapps.
21: Since this incinerator has been planned the recycling rates have already shot up locally and that's going to be replicated across Hertfordshire. The location at which they want to place this incinerator is right next to a special needs school. It means all the traffic will go past there and past my local residence it's the wrong location as well as their maths being faulty
0: Councilors in Hemel Hempstead have agreed to spend £14 million pounds on new council homes, the first for over 20 years. Over 70 new houses and a hostel for the homeless have been proposed in decorum within the next three years. The council secured £1.5 million pounds worth of funding from the Homes and Communities Agency. Figures out this morning are expected to show the economy is growing again, bringing to an end the double-dip recession. Analysts are forecasting a rise in output of just over half of 1% between July and September. The economy shrank in the three previous Quarters. In sport, Manchester City's chances of reaching the knockout phase of the Champions League are hanging by a thread after another defeat, this time 3-1 away to Ajax. Meanwhile, Arsenal lost their 100% record in the Champions League this season after goals from Klaas Jan Huntelaar and Ibrahim Affili saw them lose 2-0 to Schalke. As for the weather, stay mostly cloudy with some patchy rain or drizzle and a top temperature of 13 degrees Celsius, that's 55 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Good
1: morning. It's Thursday. It's dark, it's wet, it's miserable. Thursday, the 25th. There's two months till Christmas. I know, I know. I I, I love Christmas. I'm well excited about it. Always. Two months. I'm off to Glasgow. I've got a couple of good weeks. I'm off to Glasgow tomorrow to a concert. Couple of concerts next week. I'm living the dream, dear listener. You don't need to know about that. You want to know what's coming up in the last hour of the show before nine o'clock. Well, there are concerns over outsourcing policing in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire. We'll talk about that in a minute. And supermarkets are dropping the price of petrol by tuppence. Can we find the cheapest and most expensive places for petrol in beds, hearts and bucks? We've already had someone say £1.48 a litre petrol. You're having a laugh. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five BBC
2: Three Counties Radio
1: Breaking news dear listener, breaking news there is a power cut in parts of Leighton Buzzard this morning. Now, I know power cuts have a serious side to them so I'm not making light of that, but I do get excited when there's a power cut especially late at night because, oh, should we get the the candles it doesn't happen very often these days I I remember being a kid in the 70s we had power cuts all the time. They would just turn the electricity off. For like hours it would seem. Get the candles out have a talk. You'd talk, couldn't you? Uh, if you're in Leighton Buzzard, how big is the power cut? Could you give us a call, please? 08459 four double five five double five. Now, we've been talking about this all morning. Frontline policing services in the Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire areas will be affected if parts of those police forces become privatised. That's according to Unison, who held a meeting in Stevenage last night. Police union reps told the crowd that outsourcing so-called back office jobs would impact the entire policing team. Our reporter Victoria Cook was there and got the views of those that turned up.
4: We need to get the message out there to the government and to the public that our policing is not for sale. It needs to be run for the public and good to the public and not for um, shareholders.
5: Is it a money-making thing, a profit-making thing, or is it a service thing? It's always been a service. And in my view, uh, once it becomes a private company, we've lost the credibility it's always had. I don't think that in general public services should be run by private companies whose
6: motives are, are slightly different from the public service ethos.
7: A private company is looking to make a profit. They need to make a profit for their shareholders.
8: It's not the same as the service currently being run as a public service. The way we do it, we do it because we're working for the police force, working with
9: the officers, with the staff. We come from a background where we know what is required and gradually they will lose all that.
5: We don't work for profit, we do what we can to serve the public. Now, can a private company say exactly the same? If they're not making profit, they're not in it.
1: The police authorities say the final decision on whether the services are outsourced will be down to the newly elected police and crime commissioners. Lorraine Callagher joins us now. She's the regional organiser for uh, Unison. Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning. Why are you fighting against privatisation?
7: We're fighting against this proposal because we believe that the police support services should be provided as a public... and should not be put out to a private company. We believe that that provides the best possible service for the community.
1: Isn't this the best way to save money?
7: No, it's not. The three unison branches in Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire have been working with the police authorities and with the chief constables to save money through collaboration. There's already been an awful lot of money saved. And we're not naive. We know that the, um, the government has put these budget cuts in place and that there needs to be savings. We're working on that and would be very willing to continue to do that. But we don't think that farming a service to a private company and in this particular case to G4S is the right way to go. We think that this will give a much worse service to the public.
1: Do you think the safety of the public will be put at risk with these privatisation plans?
7: The difficulty that that we feel that's in place is that if a private company looks to run what you're terming as back office, which I I must admit I take offence to because I I believe that all of our members provide a frontline service, Um, if those services are provided by a private company then that has an impact on the warranted officers out on the streets doing their jobs.
1: Will the public be put <laughs> at risk because of this?
7: We believe that potentially that could be the case. It's a team um, ethos and it's a, a team that has to provide those services. If you haven't got the, the backup to support the warranted officers, then we believe that, that there could be serious implications for, for the community.
1: How big an impact will this have? Will will, will people, will will I notice a change?
7: We believe that you will, um, because what you've got at the moment is you've got people that are loyal to providing a public service. They do this because they believe in what they're doing. When When a contract is put out to a private company, you get what you pay for. So, therefore, if the police authorities decide to pay for particular parts of that service, that's what will be provided. You won't get anything over and above. Whereas with our members at the moment, I know full well that they put in well over and above uh, what they're required to do by their contract.
1: Give us some examples of of things that, that, that might change negatively. Well, police officers won't turn up for certain crimes, that kind of thing.
7: If cars weren't in the right place when they were needed, for example, um, it's it's around what the support services supply. Mm-hmm. So therefore anyone that's um, organising what you don't see, our, our members of our members, our unison members, are behind the frontline officers. We have a whole host of people. If you look at a crime, it's not only the police officer that turns up on your doorstep to speak to you.
1: Lorraine, listen, we have to leave it there. Lorraine Callagher, she's from the regional organiser. She is the regional organiser, sorry, for Unison. Or well, we can put some of those points now to the chairman of the Hertfordshire Police Authority, Stuart Nagler. Good morning, Stuart. Morning. Uh, you had heard Lorraine there. She says that the public will be put at risk with these if these changes go ahead.
6: Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with Lorraine. I do understand Unison's concerns. But you know, everything that we've tried to do as a police authority has been to protect our frontline policing resources. We made this undertaking to the people of Hertfordshire in our case that with the cuts we would protect our front line, but to do that we had to generate big savings. So we're working with our with our colleagues in beds and cams to try and achieve those savings and obviously the back office area and let's just define what that means because everybody throws these words around it covers the areas like HR, human resources, finance and ICT we are looking in those areas to see whether we can uh, find another way of delivering those services which will give us the savings and outsourcing is one of those options
1: Well Unison uh, says that, that, that you're not looking at enough alternatives including collaborative ways of working, they say that Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire don't even share the same HR team yeah. So there must be m- loads of ways you can save money before well, outsourcing, mustn't well,
6: there? well, first of all, we're, we're looking at uh, very big uh, amounts of money to save, so our options are limited. But a long time ago, uh, the three police authorities and the, and the chief constables got together. They looked at, the, at ten different options, including doing nothing, uh, collaboration with yet another force, uh, working in a joint venture, uh, working with a partner outside the police service, even, like a county council. But the one that stood out on a affordability, on actually delivering a good service uh, was definitely the route via outsourcing. And that's why uh, we've basically asked uh, for a full business case to be worked up. And we're only around now, as you probably know, uh, for just a few more weeks. And then we have the elections for the commissioner. And it will be a decision for that commissioner to take as to whether they wish to proceed either with G4S or indeed uh, not, not, not to deal with outsourcing at all and to look at other options.
1: I, I'm surprised, Stuart, that G4S are still in the running. After the fast that was the Olympics, they've become a laughing stock, haven't they? They're really the best choice. Yes,
6: you, you're right about G4S fouling up. We started our, uh, on the Olympics. We started our negotiations a long while ago, as it were. I think I, I always try and get things in perspective, and I know you guys in the media look for the headlines, but basically, yes, they got the Olympics wrong. They're a massive organisation, and they do many other things very well. But at the end of the day if they can't deliver and we're not happy with the service that's going to be delivered then i'm sure any uh, decent commissioner will rule them out and look at other options.
1: Stuart, listen i'm not a journalist i'm not looking for the headlines i'm just trying to find out what's best for the people listening yes, to the show. Of course. And it, 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 it you can say it was a, they messed up. It was a huge mess up. It was imba- it was a national yes. international embarrassment. Yes, Surely it was a they management should have been, issue I They think. should have been out of the running as soon as that happened. Yeah.
6: yeah. Well i think y- y- you have you have to so y- you've already started a sort of a process as it were, and I think we wanted to get a business case that was going to be independently validated, which is happening as I speak, and that work that's been done will not be wasted, because whatever way forward we, we move in, as it were, we will be able to build on that business case. So, it, it, it's certainly not, not wasted, but whether it's G4S or anybody else, or whether it's another way of achieving the savings, that really has to be decided in the
1: next few months. Stuart Negless, thank you very much. Chairman of the Hertfordshire Police Authority, 08459 five double five Um, I'm going shooting with Jonathan Vernon Smith next week sorry to come from the back of a police (laughs) report to talk about me running around a field with a gun we're we're shooting clay pigeons I believe Uh, which I'm I'm excited and nervous about Um, I'm, I'm sort of slightly regretting agreeing to it now I can't believe he's any good with a gun. I don't trust the man. Uh, anyway, he'll be in in about five or ten minutes to tell us what's happening on his show. I can give you a little heads up if you'd like. The big phone-in at nine o'clock, he's asking, do you feel as if the recession is over? Apparently it is. Yay! We can all go out and buy diamonds again. Yeah, he'll be joining me in a few minutes to tell us uh, a little bit more about that. Right, travel news now. Super so Tyler.
11: and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Heading through Roxton in both directions on the A1 Great North Road. It's still partially blocked with queuing traffic at the moment following an earlier accident, a lorry, and a car involved. Now, it's just around the Black Cat Roundabout, but we do have congestion on the Great North Road back to St. Neots Junction and on the A421. That's the Bedford Southern Bypass back towards St. Neots Road as well. Now, northbound on the A1M, the one lane closed on the exit slip Road following a broken down vehicle at Junction 8 at Stevenage and southbound as well. Still looking like we have delays of around 15 minutes between 14 at Milton Keynes and 13 at Bedford. and again Again, between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. Now, anti-clockwise on the M25, we still have delays of around an hour between Junction 28 at the Brook Street Roundabout and 24 at Potter's Bar. And uh, also between Shorleywood at 18 and 15 at the M4, more delays of around 50 minutes. Everything else not looking too bad at the moment. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie it's 8.15, Thursday the 25th of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Unison is criticising police authority plans to outsource back office jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire to G4S saying the proposals put profit ahead of the public. Well, in Hatfield MP and Tory party chairman Grant Shapps says Hertfordshire County Council have got their maths wrong over plans for a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land near Hatfield. He says improving recycling rates means it's not needed. In Sport, Rio and Anton Ferdinand have released a statement saying while they're disappointed by the FA and PFA's action against racism over the last year, they praise the Kick It Out campaign, who have said in response that they welcome the statement. There'll be a full weather bulletin shortly with Steve. And coming up, it's the 10th anniversary since the first British person travelled to Dignitas in Switzerland to die. Since then, 217 Britons have travelled to Dignitas. Before 8:30 this morning, we'll hear for a spokesman for Care Not Killing Alliance.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every Monday to Saturday from 12, Nick Coffer. Just to recap,
6: Steve, one of those maggots. The try one? No. <laughs> under your tongue. Oh, he's done it as well. No. Oh, my word. There is a maggot under his tongue. No problem. See? Didn't that make you feel slightly
21: unwell?
2: Nick Coffer. Justin
21: Coughlin is the founder of Movember. It's a month to, uh, you know, be proud of your men rocking out moustaches. And we decided as founders that it was time for us to, to
1: make a change and make a difference. And we really want change to change the face of men's health. And my wife would probably not appreciate me having a moustache. Our wedding anniversary just happens to be in Movember. Nick Coffer.
2: <laughs> Monday to Saturday from 12 on BBC three counties radio
1: it's my old shooting partner jonathan vernon smith <laughs> <laughs> we are definitely going shooting next week this yeah. is a, this is a real thing it's happening next week you and me guns <laughs> i uh, <laughs> <I'm> a <laughs> terrifying <laughs> prospect <laughs> <laughs> one of us will return hopefully to tell the story <laughs> we'll, i'll be recording it so we'll play a bit out on, on, on the show so that people can hear it but I, i'm nervous because the gentleman that's organized it for us Twitter. tweeter yesterday don't worry fellas you're guaranteed at least one hit. One hit. Well, I'm, I don't think I can do that. I've seen clay pigeon shooting, for that is what we are doing. Yes. And I, I just don't think I have the skills necessary to do it. Have you got good aim? Uh, the, in the few times when I've had to test my aim in other areas of my life, it's not brilliant. It's, you know, the, uh, it sometimes hits the floor, shall we say. Is that what you're referring to? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, oh my word! Is, well, this could be worrying. By, by the way, your your phrase of, of of putting it under a brick has now entered uh, the English language. It has means it really. It means keeping something safe or keeping something dry. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it under put a it under a brick. I've had so many tweets this morning. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go go to the Facebook page. There's a, an audio boot of a clip of, <laughs> of Jonathan coming into my studio yesterday. I'm really lowering the tone quite significantly. Well, I thought it was a <laughs> It's a very highbrow <laughs> show. Yesterday, it Jonathan was, comes I'm in. Sorry, <sighs> yeah. but yes, but putting things under a brick it means to keep something dry. I can't wait. <laughs> Will I get any credit in the Oxford English? <laughs> I
27: think you might have. To. <laughs>
25: really good. What's happening on your show this morning? On the big phone in today, do you feel as if the recession is over? Uh, The Prime Minister, David Cameron, is expected to announce later this morning that the worst of the recession is over. He's due to make a speech at half past nine, highlighting figures that are expected to show the economy is growing again, ending the double-dip recession which began in spring 2008. Well, I want to hear from you this morning. This is what is expected. Do you feel as if the recession is over? Do you feel as if the economy has turned that corner and as if things are getting back on track? Perhaps you run a business, um, and you, or a shop, for example, mm. and you've noticed that more people are coming in and spending their money again. Perhaps you've noticed that you're, you're getting more phone calls from people saying, yeah, actually, I'm going to pay you money to do this job. Perhaps you're feeling more secure in your job, and therefore you have a bit of extra money, and you think, well, yeah, I think perhaps things have turned a corner. Perhaps we will go out and buy that sofa or that TV we've been thinking about. I want to hear your views from Nine. Or perhaps you think, what? Recession over? Things have never been so." Bad 08459 455 555. Do you feel as if the recession is over? It's the big phone in this morning at nine.
1: I'm chuckling because I like it when you go off into character. Perhaps you're thinking, what? <laughs> you just go off into little characters. It's That's good. It's in my head. No, oh, it's good. I'm actually you, you know. verbalise it. Can I just ask, are you on, on, the, on the consumer <laughs> out today? You think uh, I'm a weirdo, don't you? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Oh yeah. I, I don't make any bones about that. Are you having the, the car company on that called you a disgusting pervert? Are you addressing... They
25: won't, they won't be coming on, but I will be talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> You've uh, never heard anything like it yesterday. <laughs> for those who don't
1: know, they, they you called them up and they said you're a disgusting pervert and hung up on yes, you. Yes, they. Uh, this is a, this is a company
25: that I'm investigating for not one but now two consumers. Really? Oh, yes. oh, dear, oh dear, it's an incredible story. And uh, rather than address the problem, they said that uh, they were going to go on to Google and they were going to uh, tell everyone that I'm a disgusting pervert and ruin my reputation. Surely that would only enhance your reputation. Well, I mean, what's new? Uh,
1: so I'll, we'll discuss that company after 11 this morning on my show. Forward <laughs> to listening to that. Excellent. Jonathan, thank you very much. See you later on. Thank you. Ta-ta, there we go. It's always worth a listen. If you don't stick around for the Consumer Hour, you should do. It's genuinely, uh, w- without you know, any exaggeration, it's my favourite hour of radio anywhere. From 11 till 12. The whole show's cracking. But from 11 till 12, you get to hear some wonderful stories. And, and the company's referring to there. The, the fact that they use the phrase we're going to go on Google and expose you" this is a disgusting purpose shows just the kind of people he has to deal with right so uh, 8.21 let's get the weather with Steve Weston
16: Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather
2: BBC Three Counties Radio
16: here, yeah, cloudy and misty with a bit more patchy rain or drizzle to begin with today, but brightening up later on. Top temperatures feeling a bit cooler, 13 Celsius, 55 Fahrenheit. Tonight, dry with some clear spells. Temperatures down to three, perhaps a two through the Children's and the Downs, so touch of ground frost is possible as the sky's clear later on. A chilly Friday coming up, but mainly dry with sunny spells and a very cold start on Saturday morning, but it should stay dry with long sunny spells. Sunday sees a bit of bits and pieces of showery rain and still feeling rather damp and raw and cloudy again on monday with further outbreaks of showery rain and there's your forecast from me steve weston thank you
1: steve
2: the bbc in beds hearts and barks this is bbc three counties radio
1: now this is a story i'm sure you'll have a view on if you do give us a call it's the 10th anniversary since the first british person traveled to dignitas in switzerland to die since then 217 britons have traveled to dignitas 35 this year alone dr andrew ferguson is spokesman for care not killing alliance he joins us on the line now good morning doctor oh do- doctor are you there i'm here oh, yeah. there you go sorry i had the wrong fader down and also we have uh, sarah wootton from dignity in dying good morning sarah morning uh, uh, doctor how do you feel about the growing number of people turning to dignitas each year Well, in 10 years, we've
32: had 217 Brits going there. About 5.5 million Britons have died of natural causes in that period. So we're talking about a tiny, tiny percentage. And there's an attempt to make that uh, very determined minority of Britons uh, seem like a huge unmet need for assisted dying in Britain, and therefore we've got to change the law. And we argue that that simply is not so.
1: But it is a significant number, and I I would imagine, I don't have any facts, I would imagine there are more people out there who would like to die, but can't or haven't made that journey.
32: Well, as you say, uh, I don't think it is a significant number, and as you say, I, I would imagine there are more people. Part of the difficulty is that the more media coverage that's given to these, and we've had a number of uh, documentaries and docudramas, particularly on the BBC, the more that implants in the nation's mindset that suicide is the way out of things. There are all sorts of uh,
1: drawbacks about uh, the Dignitas suicide right, facility. I don't think you can blame the BBC for, for d- d- telling powerful stories about people People who have uh, gone against their government and decided that their life is not worth living—it's not the BBC you, you
32: never tell the powerful stories of all the people with disabilities, all the people with serious illnesses, all the people with terminal illnesses,
1: people who are depressed, and so on. It's been been a beg, very one-sided. I thing. beg to differ. I think the BBC does cover those aspects quite quite a lot, don't they? Well, give us give us a one-hour
32: program on uh, prime-time television, and we'll uh, uh, possibly agree with you on that one. But we're, we're getting bogged down here, and I'm not here to. Uh, argue with the BBC, I'm just saying... Well, that you brought it
1: up, sir, that's why I'm referring to it. I think you're being a little bit... I have to pick you up, I think you're being a little bit unfair. Uh, well, we'll have
32: to disagree on that one. Uh, these are obviously emotional things. None of us likes to think about having a bad death uh, and stories of people who do, people who are suffering inevitably grab at our emotions but as soon as we step back and look at the facts, legislators around the world reject any change in the law. We saw this most recently at the end of 2010 in Scotland where something uh, uh, speciously called the end of life assistance bill was rejected by 85 votes to 16 in the Scottish Parliament. As soon as you look at all the threats to vulnerable
1: majorities, legislators are going to decide against Okay Doctor, let's go to Sarah Wooden from Dignity and Dying. Sarah, how do you... Uh, th- 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 we, we shouldn't have a choice in how we end our lives, Sarah.
8: I think everybody should have the choice of having a good death, and the definition of a good death is one that they think works for them. So if people want to die at home, and they want to die in this country, they want to die in hospital, it depends where they are, who's around them. I think that it's absolutely right that people should have those kinds but of But Sarah, choices. there is
1: so much, there are so much. so many advances in medicine and uh, pain relief that, that, that surely people don't... It's a tough one to argue, isn't it, really? But surely people can carry on and live a good quality of life with whatever condition they have?
8: Uh, yes, most can, and b- palliative care can do wonderful things, and in most cases it can help. But even palliative care experts agree that in a minority of cases it can't. And for those minority of cases, there should be a choice, and that's what we're arguing here. I mean, Andrew said that um, 217 isn't a large number. I mean, what does he think is a large number? This is the tip of the iceberg. People are asking their doctors to help them to die in this country. The They're refusing food and water. They're asking for assistance from loved ones. There is clearly a problem here. The Director of Public Prosecutions make it absolutely clear that compassionate assisters are unlikely to be prosecuted. But if they're not going to be prosecuted, then why are they criminalised in the first place?
32: Andrew? They have to be criminalised in the first place because we need to investigate every single case of assistance with suicide. I couldn't agree
8: more so why not investigate them up front before somebody has died? Which is exactly what the legislation would do rather than the retrospective investigations that take place at the moment.
32: I'm sure that uh, Sarah would not want anybody going to any suicide facility anywhere who's being coerced by family, anxious to get their hands on the cash, anxious to be relieved of a care burden as a former G I've worked with many elderly people, and I know how altruistic they are and feel they're a burden on society, on family, on on everybody around them. Um, Sarah would agree that those need investigating. The, The whole question of whether it should be done beforehand or afterwards will be looked at very carefully if any legislation ever comes before a British Parliament again. But we're confident that on the safety of vulnerable majorities, such legislation will will
1: not succeed. Andrew, I've made the decision. My mum's got MS, and uh, we've talked to her about suicide, and and she considered it for a while, and then she she decided not to. I have said to my wife, if I get anywhere near as ill as my mum, I am going to end my life. Why haven't I got the right, and that's a decision that I've made, and I'm very vocal about, why haven't I got the right to make that decision?
32: Well, nobody's going to stop you killing yourself. That's been uh, uh, decriminalised since 1961. The question is changing the law to allow other people to help you. And may I say and that the chances are if anything awful ever did happen to you that like your mum you would change your mind as well most people no, do no I wouldn't you, I've, I've seen, you, you seen I've
1: seen I, but I, not I,
8: everybody and that's the point <laughs> Some people would like the choice, and for those small minority of people who do use it in other countries, on the point on other countries, there are many other jurisdictions that have legalised assisted dying, and there are likely to be a lot more in the near future, including, I think, this country, which is likely to legalise within the decade. There's no reason why not. Our, Our laws, our current Suicide Act, is over 50 years old. It's outdated, it's not fit for purpose, and parliamentarians need to look at this again.
1: Dr. Andrew, final word to you?
32: We've looked at this in Parliament three times in the last six years and said no, very, very clearly. Uh, There are only uh, six or seven jurisdictions around the world that do allow euthanasia. I'm glad Sarah says it'll be a
1: decade. I think it'll be many decades, but never. Thank you very much, Dr Andrew Ferguson, spokesman for Care Not Killing Alliance, uh, and uh, Sarah Wooden from Dignity in Dying. It's an interesting argument. I've kind of laid my cards on the table. What do you think? Do you you think you should have the right to choose when and how you die if you've got... A condition? The doctor's right. There's a possibility I might change my mind. I've seen how my mum suffered. I, I find it unlikely. I don't want my boys to have to do to me what I've had to do to my mum. I've had to do some awful... Th- I've seen things and done things that no kid should have to do to their parent. I don't want my boys doing that. 08459 double five five double five. Travel News Now. Sophie Tyler. Beds,
2: hearts and bucks travel.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Still looking slow at the moment. Southbound on the A1 Great North Road heading through Roxton. It's still queuing following the earlier accident involving a lorry and a car. Now, it's just between the Black Cat roundabout and the Kim turn off, And it looks like we do still have problems heading back towards the St. Neots Road at the moment on the A421. Now, northbound on the A1M. It is still looking slow on the exit slip Road where the lane is closed following a broken down vehicle at Junction 8 at Stevenage. And southbound as well. Uh, looking at fairly slow at the moment between Junction 10 at Luton Airport and 9 at Redbourne. Anti-clockwise on the M25, we have delays of an hour between the Brook Street roundabout at 28 and 24 at Potter's Bar not helped by the earlier accident and delays of nearly 50 minutes as well between 18 at Chorleywood and 15 at the M4 everything else not looking too bad right now Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio
1: thank you very much Sophie if you heard um, Justin uh, Dealey who was with the DeLorean car the Back to the Future car earlier on in the show there is a murky photograph it's murky but it's still very exciting on the BBC Three Counties Facebook page so go and have a look at that 8.30 now Time for the news and sport with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Good morning, the headlines. Unison is criticising police authority plans to outsource back office jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire to G4S, saying the proposals put profit ahead of the public. A Hertfordshire pensioner has been found guilty of child sex abuse, including rape, dating back 63 years. And Welling Hatfield MP and Tory party chairman Grant Shapps says Hertfordshire County Council have got their maths wrong over plans for a waste incinerator on Greenbelt land near Hatfield. He says improving recycling rates means it's not needed.
2: Beds, Hearts and
0: Bucks
11: Sports, BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester
0: City's chance of reaching the knockout phase of the Champions League are hanging by a thread after another defeat, this time 3-1 away to Ajax. Roberto Mancini's men took the lead in Amsterdam through Samir Nasri, but the home side came from behind to claim their first win of the group stages and send City bottom of Group D. And the manager afterwards was happy to take the blame.
17: When you play this game, you should have a good spirit. And I said that is my fault because probably I, I prepared very bad this game. Because we played a bad game and I'm the manager and the fault is mine.
0: Arsenal lost their 100% record in the Champions League this season after goals from Klaas Jan Huntla and Ibrahim Afellay saw them lose 2-0 to Schalke. Manager Arsene Wenger is sitting in the stands for the final game of his three-match ban, leaving assistant Steve Bold to admit Arsenal were beaten by the better side.
14: We lack a bit of confidence, I think, for whatever reasons, but... Um it's a tough competition, and they're a good side. In all fairness, they beat Dortmund, you know, at the weekend and played really well. So a 0 nil would have delighted us, I think.
0: In the Europa League this evening, Liverpool host Russian side Anzi at Anfield, Newcastle host Club Rouge and Tottenham are at NK Maribor. England's cricketers meanwhile leave today for a training camp in Dubai ahead of their tour of India. Much of the build-ups focused on the return of batsman Kevin Peterson. Here's their new test captain, Alistair Cook.
3: Once the decision is made that we've got Kevin back in the team, we do have to draw a line. What's happened? Um, a line in the sand, what's happened over the last couple of months. Look, I'm just delighted we've got a world class player back. Um, as a captain, I, I, want, I wanted our best players to be available because that's how we know we get our best results.
0: And that's the latest from BBC Three Counties News and Sport. More from me at nine. Text 81333. Start your message with
2: 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate.
1: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. 8.33, here until 9 o'clock. It's Ian Lee, by the way. Jonathan Vernon-Smith will be on at 9. Always worth um, a listen. Coming up in the next half an hour, several supermarkets are apparently putting down the cost of petrol by tuppence a litre. Can we find the cheapest and most expensive places in beds, hearts and bucks for fuel? We had someone phone up pound forty-eight a litre for petrol. Wow. Wowzers. Uh, we were ter- talking earlier on about um, antisocial behaviour in Luton, and uh, this in turn led on to a discussion about prostitutes. So, Some of the people in the, this particular area in Luton um, weren't feeling safe going out in their own street. One woman was constantly being asked if she was working. Uh, people having sex against the doorway. Doesn't sound good, does it? Um... I don't know what your views are on that. Uh, Mark in Bedford has called in. Morning, Mark. Morning. What's your take on this? Well, I've worked
20: with escorts for the last ten years um, as a driver, as security, you know, collecting the girls, taking them out of their jobs. Um, and I'd just like to say that lady was making a big thing. Um, we had, we had a lady
1: on from one of the, the sex workers unions, Carrie, who uh, was... Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, go on. She's making a big thing about the girls... All,
20: out fighting to feed their families well I'd have to say that 95% of the girls that I work with were not out there to feed their families, mm. they're driven by greed they come out to work, they can't wait to start snorting cocaine mm. Um, they're heavy drinkers. They're, they're abusers of life. Now, obviously, you do get a few that come through and they're, they're working to pay for college or, or or university or stuff like that. But, they, you know, they're, they're, none of them that I come across are, are solely out there to feed their families. So let's, let's take that out of the equation for a minute. And I make all them people that are suffering with the abuse that they get from these girls... And the condoms and that in their street, nobody should have to put up with that. That shouldn't be acceptable in any way, shape or form.
1: Oh, I agree with that. You seem to have a bit of contempt, Mark, for the women that you work with. No, not at all. I don't have any contempt for them. Abusers but
20: I have of life. Well, they are. They, everything they do, they do to the extreme. They're, I have worked with hundreds of these girls, and they, they don't differ too, too much. They... They all are of a certain mentality, and I think I really believe that you
1: have to be to work in that May industry. I, Mark, can I ask? Is it is it kind of like a, a, an agency of escorts that you work for when you driving these yeah. girls? May I suggest that, that that perhaps I don't know too much about this world. I'm I'm sort of guessing from what I've seen in films that these girls are perhaps a slightly higher class. Escort and the ones that are standing Not
20: on. Not at all. Well, Not it- at all. They're they, they're actually working. The agencies get paid a hundred to one hundred and twenty yeah. pounds an hour and the girl gets fifty pounds an hour okay, out. Okay,
1: so that means it's costing like two hundred quid an hour. That the girl but the girls that are standing on street corners, I would imagine, uh, No,
20: no, these the girls that are working in these agencies take fifty pounds. Okay.
1: But that that would mean that someone is paying two hundred pa- someone is prepared to pay two hundred pounds an hour to be with these girls then? Yeah? If the agency are getting one hundred and fifty, the girls are getting fifty 50- No, no,
20: the agency gets a total of one hundred and twenty. Twenty pounds. The girl gets fifty pounds out of it. Uh, an hour. Yes. Okay. So, hour.
1: so the point I'm saying is, that, okay, someone is then paying 170 pounds to be in the company of that girl, correct? No, it's 120 pounds. Oh, the agency that, okay. pays All right. the girl Sorry, fifty pounds out right. of this. Okay, so 120 pounds. It's still more than someone turning tricks on a street corner for 15 quid a pop. Yes, it is. Yeah. And can, can you understand that perhaps those girls that are do it on the street corner doing 15, 20, 25 quid, that perhaps that they are in a slightly more desperate situation and could be doing it to, to feed their kids?
20: No, not at all. Um, okay. Because a lot of the girls that do actually work within agencies also work the streets as well. For 15 they quid pick and choose, Yeah, they pick and
1: choose okay. where they work. Okay, Mark, a- listen, we'll move on. Mark's very firmly his, his beliefs that these girls are party girls, they're doing it to feed drug and alcohol habits, and they're just out to have a good time. That They're not there um, because of the desperate situations um, that um, perhaps we've been led to believe they are. What do you think about that? 08459 four double five five double five. On a lighter note... Good news, everyone, the price of petrol's going down. By tuppence, yeah. Will you notice the difference? The average cost of a litre of petrol is apparently £1.33. I've not seen it at that. BBC's uh, Three Counties reporter, Justin Dealey, has been speaking to motorists in Milton Keynes this morning. Morning, Justin. Hello, Ian. You you drive past a lot of petrol stations. Have you seen it as cheap as 133? No, I haven't, I've got to say. Have you seen it as expensive, as as a caller earlier suggested, as 148? We can go better than that in just a second. We
15: can go better. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, 2p a litre, will it make a difference? Probably not to, to many people. You and I, Ian, we could probably change our habits of getting to work. We could potentially, of course, look at public transport to save money on fuel. Yep. But taxi drivers, they can't do that, of course. Petrol prices, they clearly affect their business. I've been talking to taxi drivers here at Milton Keynes about petrol prices. Um, Frank Armstrong, well, he says that he's disgusted by them.
14: Absolutely disgusted. He's getting out of hand there. Every day it seems to be getting worse.
15: What's the most expensive you've seen here in Milton Keynes?
14: Um, last week, late last week, two garages close to the city centre, 149.9 for diesel
15: very very expensive now if your trade has dropped something like 40 percent in the last couple of years and you've got these fuel prices which are very very high how on earth can you run a successful business
14: um we can't we're struggling a lot of drivers are quitting now i'm thinking about quitting myself but i don't know what else to do at my age so what's the answer then um the answer is this, these garages have stopped ripping us off and all start charging a reasonable rate a normal rate and all the same price instead of one garage a quarter mile away charging sometimes seven eight pence different for the same
15: fuel i filled up my car yesterday i've got a a very very small car cost me over 50 pounds to fill up my car what do you think will be a fair price for fuel in this country i remember the days where i thought that one pound 20 a litre was disgusting now of course it's much higher than that so so what do you think will be a fair price
14: it's hard to say what a fair price is because we know they've got to make money we know that but to charge, they shouldn't all be charging different prices when it's the same fuel company that's doing it. All,
15: all varying prices, all charge the same. 140
14: is a reasonable price these days.
15: Okay. Thank you very much indeed for your time. I'm going to move over here to Andy as well, who's a taxi driver. Andy, just been speaking to Frank there, who says that he's close to quitting because he can't take it anymore with the fuel prices, he can't make any money. Would you go along with that?
21: Yeah, yeah, the fuel prices are crippling the industry and um, you know that's that comes straight off your profit line so or whatever the increase in fuel is just coming straight out of your profit
15: and we're talking today about tesco sainsbury's and asda reducing fuel by two pence a litre is that seriously going to make
21: any difference no no because they they you know they put them up by but they creep up over a week by three or four pence a litre come down by 2p and next week they'll be up by three or four p again so you know the, the overall increase is is just never
15: ending and just lastly, on a lighter note, you're driving a Toyota today. We have been talking about famous cars from movies and also TV programmes. If you could carry your passengers in any car that's been used in a, a film or a TV show, come on, Andy, what would
21: that be? Um, it's got to be the, uh, the Aston Martin and the DV5 out of Bond. A bit that's... tight for room, though, isn't it? Yeah, but you'd squeeze them in somewhere, <laughs> wouldn't you? If you've got a chance to drive it. You'd have to put your prices up for that one, wouldn't you? Well, I don't know. They'd probably pay extra to get in it.
15: (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So the words there of Frank and Andy, and I have to say, Ian, I do feel for them mm. because obviously petrol prices have gone up so much in recent years. They can only put their prices up so much, yeah. or people won't use them. And in the last two years, you heard that stat there—a drop in trade of 40 percent—and that's without the fuel prices. How on
1: earth can these people make money? And you still about public transport, and I'm a big—I'm I'm a big fan of buses. I love getting the bus, but I coming—I in, come into work at half four. Mm. I can't. I have to drive in, and I—I'm filling up a couple of times a week. And man alive, it's expensive. Just it's frustrating. Very, very frustrating.
15: I totally agree. I looked into this about a year ago. I thought, well, if I could get public transport maybe once or twice a week, that would help out. But but you trying to, to get a bus or a train to loosen at five o'clock in the morning, it's just not going to happen. So unfortunately, we're left with no option but to pay these prices, which are crippling the nation.
1: Uh, Justin thank you very much for that excellent stuff as always we can go now to Brian Madison who is uh, petrol chairman of the retail motor industry federation which represents independent petrol stations morning Brian
13: good morning tuppence it's not a lot is it No, and I think we all have to remember that 60% of what we pay at the pump is government tax, and the bad news is uh, that the government have got to plan for us another 7 pence a litre fuel tax rise in the early months of next year, 1st of January and then again 1st of April. So whatever is happening out there on the global uh, commodities market, our government are going to ramp up the price of fuel at the pumps.
1: So over 140 uh, a litre is going to be pretty common
13: again early next year? Yes, we're looking at perhaps 150 as the average price of diesel by the time we get to Easter, and uh, maybe 142, 143 for petrol which is extremely bad news. And obviously we are campaigning very hard indeed. And I'm going to see the Deputy Director of Fuel Taxation at the Treasury tomorrow to say that this government must hold back on any further... Brian.
1: The, the 60% that, that we pay in tax is huge and the, the, there are opinions on that. But petrol itself is, is so expensive. These, these, these petrol companies, these Shells and these SOs and these Texacos, they make billions and billions and billions of pounds. Why can't they take five pence off a litre?
13: We're all working on the wholesale cost which come out of the Rotterdam market. Uh, we're competing, the UK is competing with other European countries to buy refined fuel. Uh, we don't understand exactly what's driving these changes. The market's extremely volatile, and that's why we went to the Office of Fair Trading in January this year with a complaint about anti-competitive and predatory pricing by uh, uh, some of the major oil companies and the OFT are currently investigating this, and they will announce their findings in January next year. And we hope they will do a full market study because we all need much greater transparency.
1: Why are some petrol stations some you get a bargain? You can get it for one thirty three. We've heard stories this morning of one petrol station charging one pounds forty eight a litre. How is that
13: allowed? Wow they are buying from an oil company or a wholesaler and the price at which they're buying is we say uncompetitive and they should be able to buy at a cheaper rate and because they're buying at this higher uncompetitive rate they have to put on their meagre margin. They will not be making a huge amount of money.
1: Even the the shop that's selling it for 148 are they not just being chances because
13: they're in the middle of nowhere? No, that's right. They're probably um, handling a relatively small volume, which uh, adds to their cost. They're probably uh, taking it in small loads, which adds to their cost. Most retailers today are making only two or three pence.
1: We we all know that when it's the last petrol station before the motorway, they whack their prices up. Come on. I can't comment
13: on that Come
1: on bro We we know it's a fact Last last petrol station Before the M3 The prices is a, a, a Five, six, seven pence More than
13: everywhere else Why are four or five hundred Independent sites Going out of business Every year I don't know Brian
1: I can't answer that question We have to move on Thank you very much Brian Madison Petrol chairman Of the Retail Motor Industry Federation We've all seen that Haven't we Just before you go Last motorway Last petrol station Before the M4 And the prices Are a little bit more price Yeah Hmm Suspicious me thinks. Travel news now, Sophie Tyler.
11: Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Still looking like we have one lane closed and queuing traffic's heading south on the A1 through Roxton, this all following the earlier accident lorry and a car involved just for the Black Cat roundabout, congestion is still heading back towards Eaton Ford and on the A421 heading east to Great Barford Now northbound on the A1M still looking like the exit slip road is closed due to broken down vehicle at Junction 8 at Stevenage and anti-clockwise on the M25 It's still looking at delays of around an hour between the Brook Street roundabout at Junction 28 and 24 at Potter's Bar uh, It's also still slow, delays again of around 45 minutes between 18 at Shorleywood and 15 at the M4. Everything else not looking too bad right now. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Sophie.
1: Morning, it's 8.46. These are your headlines this morning on Thursday, uh, October the 25th. Unison is criticising police authority plans to outsource back office jobs in Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire to G4S, saying the proposals put profit ahead of the public. Well in Hatfield MP, Grant Shapps is accusing Hertfordshire County Council of getting the their maths wrong over plans for a waste incinerator near Hatfield. He says improving recycling rates means it's not needed. In sport, Bradley Wiggins says it's more than likely he'll sacrifice defending his Tour de France title to support teammate Chris Froome in the 2013 race. Your weather today for Beds, Hearts and Bucks, staying mostly cloudy with some patchy rain or drizzle and a top temperature of 13 degrees. Coming up, residents in an area of Luton say they are living in daily fear because of prostitution and crime in the area. We'll hear from a local residence uh, affected before 9am.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from 9, Jonathan Vernon-Smith.
31: I didn't have a problem at all. It was my husband that had the problem. Oh, really? In what way? All I got was, you're going to have reconstruction, aren't you? You're going to have that reconstructed.
25: How the hell did you cope with that?
31: We never slept
2: in the same bedroom again. Jonathan
4: Vernon-Smith.
25: We are now in Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Chris was diagnosed in
19: 1996.
4: If I hadn't gone for that x-ray, i sometimes sit and wonder what would be today's prognosis. Hey, I am a survivor. And I'm glad to be
2: here today. Jonathan Vernon-Smith, weekday mornings from nine, on BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Residents in an area of Luton say they are living in daily fear because of prostitution and crime in the area. They say the council are not doing enough to improve the area and make it safer a local charity called Azalea, who offers support to women involved in the sex trade, has also been criticised because people living and working locally feel the work they do encourages prostitutes to stay in the area. Earlier on I spoke to Carrie Mitchell from the English Collective of Prostitutes.
31: Why should anybody have to work in the sex industry? Because they don't have enough money in their pockets. That is the problem. And it's the situation is not going to change, it's either going to be in your backyard or somebody else's backyard. Until women can work indoors, it really is a situation for the government we would really ask residents to direct their angst at the local council to put pressure on the government to say you know more women are working in our area it's more difficult for us now but it really is down it really really is down to the government but when I the mean, people complain carry
1: when people complain to the council what they're complaining about is the fact that there are prostitutes on this street I- i'm surprised that you seem to have very little empathy for the people that live in these streets that are being affected neg- affected negatively by prostitution
31: the the question is what to be done. People talk about women being removed. But yeah. what, are they, what are they proposing? That is a really, um, very draconian Well, it's not, uh, it's not for the people
1: in the street where they're having sex up against their doorways, there are condoms lying around, and the young mothers are being asked if they're working. That, that's unacceptable, isn't it? It's a very difficult situation. Yes or no? Is that unacceptable?
31: No, it's not unacceptable. It's a, it's difficult, not unacceptable. It's a difficult situation for Let me for just everybody. clarify, let
1: me just clarify. You're saying it's not unacceptable for a young mum to walk out of her house in the early evening and be asked if she's a prostitute. That's not unacceptable behaviour.
31: it's a very bad world we live in and there are are lots of very bad things going on and this is one of the very difficult things to to, to deal with.
1: Uh, Last night, a meeting took place. It's me, back now. Sorry, that was a recording. Uh, A meeting took place between the council and local residents discussing the issue. One of the women who was there was Bridget. Uh, That's not her real name. We've changed it. And um, this is what happened
22: it's actually like living in a hell when you have to sort of think oh well I've got to get a taxi but I I can't sit down outside because I'm going to be accosted or yes I'd like to go and see my friend but that would be a walk round there and I'm gonna face pros and whatever and yes then you've got the danger side of it with the the health side when you're walking over needles, used condoms, semen, tissues, underwear, STs, everything that's that, you know, people have to clean up on a daily basis because it's there lying in front of you and it's really just not on.
1: Uh, Bridget uh, joins me on the line now. Good morning, Bridget. Hello. Uh, now, we've been hearing the stories of people living in Hightown. You clearly are someone who wants to change things. Oh, most definitely. You were at last night's meeting. D- did anything actually get agreed? Well, it couldn't because of um, the facts, because of PERDA,
33: the fact that we've got um, an election coming up. So uh, the council and the police, effectively, they could listen, but they
1: couldn't make comments. So what was the point of the meeting then? Well, that's what we asked when we got there, but
33: um, we did put our our points over very strongly. And um, though at least ten more people who should have come didn't make it, Um, You know, we did read the riot act to the local councillors, and people from the council were there and were sympathetic, and also um, there was a good response from the police too.
1: If they couldn't say much because of Perda, and I can understand that, what did they say to you then?
33: Well, we, they, as I said, um rules are rules and whether we like it or not we have to abide so they did listen intently they they
1: didn't say anything specifically about these these problems of antisocial behaviour
33: well you see as I said they were very tied um, and that is the problem but how
1: frustrating is, must that be for you and the re- well, other residents bridget
33: you know we've been living like this for. some people have been doing it for 22 years and Ooh. six nervous breakdowns later things are not going to change overnight but we're not going away and we're not going to change either but there is going to be another meeting early in december because of the difficulties
1: can they can they talk at night. the meeting in december Pardon? Will will the council be able to talk at the meeting in December? Well,
33: I would think so, because the election will be
1: over by then. Uh, Uh, Yes. Bridget, listen, stay there, because uh, the local charity Azalea has come in for criticism. They didn't want to come on the show, but they've issued this statement. Have a listen to this. Mm. Azalea does not in any way support prostitution. Quite the opposite. Azalea is completely opposed to uh, prostitution, and over the last year has supported seven local sex workers in exiting the industry. What What do you think when you hear that?
33: it's what I said to the councillors last night, I said you know you were elected as councillors for Hightown and for having a councillor working at Azalea is like putting a vegan worked at work in a butcher's shop she should never have stood for this area knowing the problems if she was going to do two jobs we have said we now want their share of time they are going to come and see us, they have seen photographs they heard what people had to say last night the devastating disgusting disgraceful diatribe that we have to keep saying over and over again about how our lives are affected and that is what now they will listen to us
1: bridget uh, thank you very much bridget not her real name she's one of the residents we did ask the council to take part in uh, our discussion this morning they declined but issued this statement Uh, Although we are unable to provide a detailed response at this time due to the restrictions of Perda, we would like to, basically that means if there's an election going on, they can't really say anything. That's what Perda means. Uh, We would like to reassure the community that we are aware of the issues in Hightown and are working closely with our partners to resolve this. Multi-agency teams have been out visiting the area, speaking to residents about their concerns and providing support. Furthermore, we are keen to ensure an evidence-based approach to problem-solving and will continue to gather evidence relating to the problems affecting residents. As such, we would encourage residents to contact the police or their ward councillors to report incidents or issues affecting them.
2: This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
1: Uh, it's the 10th anniversary, I think, since the start of Dignitas, uh, so we've been talking about that this morning. We've had some really powerful stories. Uh, James, again, not your real name, uh, you uh, live with MS. Can I ask, wh- how long ago did you get diagnosed with it? Back in 2000. And, and uh, how old are you, James, or well, roughly, if you don't mind me asking? Roughly 45. Okay. And how badly is it affecting you? Um,
28: well, it's affecting me quite, quite bad. Um, in It's... Um, one minute you're okay, and the next minute you're just struck down again. One minute you can see fine, and you can't see fine. You can use your hands okay, but you can't use your hands okay. And it's just an ongoing thing all the time.
1: i tell you what I was asking your age, and when you were diagnosed, it's just because my mum has, uh, uh, has got this, and it's kind of interesting to, to just get an idea of, of roughly where you're in your life, because al- al- although it, it doesn't follow any strict rules, there is kind of a pattern that it often f- follows. If things, well, you know that things are probably going to get worse, aren't they? Yes. Have you considered what you would do if things got really bad?
28: Yes. Basically, like like you were saying, I mean, I didn't know about this one in Sweden, but um, something like that.
1: The, the dignitas, you would yes. you would consider travelling uh, abroad, definitely to end your life. Yeah, just t-
28: t- it just gets enough when when you actually been something and you actually held down a job and you've been this that and the other and you know you've been right up on the top and then to fall right down the ladder right in the bottom it's just bad news um and then you're relying on the state and they make it even harder for you to try and make out that you're sponging off them and doing this that and the other and you have to try and Beg, borrow, and steal basically to try and make ends meet, and it's just, it's just it's no good. So you're, not, That's you're
1: not life for me, it really isn't. So you're not working now, you're dependent on um, help I from am, the state? Yes. Can I ask, James, if I ask any questions that are too personal, just tell me to get lost. Are, are you married? Have you got family? No, no. So you live on your own? It's all gone
28: because I've got MS.
1: W- were you married? Yes. And your wife left because of your condition? It was a. Mutual
28: decision. It was a mutual, well, mutual for not really. I suppose it was me. Um, I didn't want her to stay with me. I didn't want to tie her down. I wanted her to go away and find someone else which could give her a better life than what I could. I know, what do they say? Sometimes you have to be called to be kind. Love is blind. But um, it's better to love than not loved at all.
1: And do you speak to anyone about this, James?
28: I have done. I just try and talk you out of it all the time, saying, you know, there's other things we can do for you, we can do this, that and the other for you. But let's face it, at the end of the day, it's not. You're tied up 24-7 with this, with appointments, with doctors. um, All the time you have to keep going backwards and forwards to the hospital. Uh, you have to pay the parking. You have to try and find the money. It's
1: to to workers Pay the parking, James. Listen down there. I'm, I'm really, I really hate to do this, but we are running out of time. No, that's Can fine. I suggest? Have you Have you spoken to anyone at the MS Society? Um,
28: no, not really. I don't really talk to anyone about it because the thing is about in places you go there and you see people that are in worse condition than you, yeah. And it just brings it home of what. It's in store for James, you
1: later on. I I think the MS Society might be able to offer some help. Listen, we've got your details. Can we give you a call a little bit later on this morning, off air, and maybe we can just give you a couple of numbers of of, of people that might be able to... It, it might just be worth talking to, so you're not completely on your own. Yeah,
28: OK.
1: Would you like that? Um, yeah, I'd like, them, I think I'd like the stigma test number better, though. Just the Google it. Alright, listen, James, we'll we'll speak later on. I've got to move on. I feel terrible doing this because we are running out of time, but that's the the nature of this kind of uh, kind of show. Well what can you say to that? Another look. Let's get the travel news now, let's get a sofa.
11: Beds, hearts
2: and bucks travel.
11: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Southbound on the A1 It's still looking fairly slow Following the earlier accident A lorry and a car involved Around the Black Cat roundabout Now congestion there Is heading back to Eaton Ford And on the A41 Heading east to Great Barford as well All lanes have been reopened But it is looking particularly tricky It is causing delays Through a lot of surrounding areas Now at the moment Elsewhere heading east On the A40 Western Avenue Still looking slow Between Swakely's Corner And the Gypsy Corner And anti-clockwise on the M25 Usual delays are still in place I'm afraid Hours worth of delays Between the Brook Street roundabout at 28 and 24 at Potter's Bar Sophie Tyler BBC Three Counties Radio
1: Thank you Sophie I'm back tomorrow at 6 Jonathan's up next Getting beds hearts and bugs talking
12: This is BBC